Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network and Liam will do bits and whatnot. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Stephanie Smile is like a white woman in a Mexican restaurant. Please, she just told the waitress, gracias. <laughs> Hun, did you hear me? I got the corn tortillas. <laughs> Rich Crage. Jesus Christ, log off and go to work. What are you doing? And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? How are you? How are you? I'm doing great. Grand. Just jolly. Great. <laughs> Glad to hear. How are you doing, Joe? I forget if you said anything or you just asked me how I was feeling. I'm great. Great. All right. We are going to have a great show tonight on this here flagship podcast. A little bit of an, a, a different uh, approach to the show this week. So we are going to start off with a quick hitter topic right at the beginning. Uh, no time for the playful banter that you all know and love. Uh, there'll be plenty for that uh, later in the show. But we are going to just do some quick hitter topic right at the top. We'll talk about WWE Money in the Bank uh, coming up this weekend from the O2 uh, in London, airs on Peacock at 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, by the way, since it is in London. So adjust your calendars accordingly. Uh, and then we are going to do a little bit of a breakaway segment here where we're going to welcome on I believe the very first guest in this show's entire history, in the flagship history, we'll get into more of that when we bring him on, uh, but Justin Bissonette, Biss, uh, probably as instrumental as anybody in this show existing at any point whatsoever, one of our original three listeners, we always say there was like two, maybe two, I think it was it was Larry and it was Biss, I think were the original two listeners of this stupid show all those many years ago. Uh, well, Biss, his promotion, Inspire AD, they have their 10th anniversary show coming up. And we talked to Biss about Inspire and about the the Austin, Texas wrestling scene for years and years and years on the show. So uh, it felt like a very good time to bring him back on uh, after many years to talk about where the wrestling world has gone, where the indie wrestling world has gone in the last 10 years. We've seen such a huge, huge change. Uh, and he's been right in the thick of it the entire time. So I'm really looking forward to that. We'll bring him on uh, around uh, 8 o'clock for those listening live in about 15 to 20 minutes. We'll bring him on uh, and do an hour or so about Inspire and Big Picture, kind of indie wrestling in America thoughts. And then we have New Japan Strong has a big Independence Day weekend, a, a hell of a 
lineup here. I love this card. Uh, these cards, I should say, for the July 4th and July 5th uh, New Japan Strong Shows in Currican. Uh, we also have Dragon Gate Kobe World coming up this weekend as well. Uh, so we're going to preview that and also uh, it's a brief discussion. I've, I've played and got my hands on the AEW Fight Forever video game so we can uh, uh, talk about that and, and, and some of my thoughts uh, about that game if we have some time. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm excited to touch uh, base with Biss after all these, these years. But uh, let's do Money in the Bank, Joe. Uh, I know you are... Uh, champing at the bit to uh, discuss money in the bank taking place, as I said, July 1st, Saturday, uh, from the O2 in London. Uh, again, adjust your calendars. It's going to be at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Uh, Central, uh, right smack dab in the middle of the day Saturday, because uh, it's taking place from London. So, uh, Joe, you are. Uh, what, are you, what are your overall thoughts on money in the bank? I know you cannot wait to see who can ascend uh, the money in the bank ladder in the money in the bank ladder match and get a championship opportunity at a, the title of their choosing. So, <clears throat> coughing already. So, um, I have never been less interested in WWE in the history of my wrestling fandom than I am right now. You know, um, that's kind of my take too. As I. I did not know this show was even in London until I got ready for the show today. You know, the thing about it is I watch all these shows every week um, and that basically constitutes fast forwarding through the vast majority of it. I watch the key stuff. You have to keep your finger on the pulse or you can't do a show like this. So I, I knew it was in London. I knew the show was coming. I know what's going on. I just it makes me angry when I have to slap play on the DVR and watch this stuff, I have never been less interested in this company. Um, now I understand that they're doing well right now uh, with television ratings they are doing, they're still doing well at the gate and people are really into this bloodline thing. Um, but for me personally, and, and it's not all bad. They, they, there's some good wrestling in this company in a vacuum, but overall I've never been less interested in, you know, uh, I'm not going to say how many years that I've been watching wrestling. I just, it, it, it is so disconnected from what I want out of pro wrestling. And um, it's hard for me to care about anything that happens in this company. I will watch the pay-per-view. I will watch, like I said, uh, you know, hopefully the matches are good, you know, in a vacuum, but um, nah, I don't care about any of this. And, and, what a great way to start the show, by oh, the way. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> welcome welcome but, to the largest wrestling company in the world. We don't care. But it's hard. I mean, we can't. I can't fake the enthusiasm. I can't even pretend. And that, that's that's sort of what my notes have here is like, I, I, I don't, I watch a lot of the stuff. Like, I do keep up with some stuff. But like you said, I feel disconnected even though I watch it because it's just I don't care. I watch it. And I'm done. I, and I and and even if it's a good show, it's not even, interesting. It's, it's just, just not, not like Backlash. It's, I thought Backlash was a fun show. I enjoyed it. We came on here and we talked about it. And then it left my brain. And I have not thought about any aspect of WWE Backlash since that. And that's what's going to be the case of this Money in the Bank. We're going to come here. We're going to talk about these matches. I'm going to say a bunch of names. You're going to say, sure. OK, and I'm going to move on to the next set of names. And then we'll watch the show. We'll come on this show next week and review it and then it'll leave my brain and I'll never think about any of it ever again. And that's just kind of how it is. And it, it, I have trouble retaining it in my brain, even from that, you know, watching it, I'll watch it on Saturday or Sunday or whatever and coming back on Thursday and be like, okay. And and give my, you know, pithy thoughts about it and then move on. It's just, yeah, I, I don't, I can't pretend to care. I, I I'm sorry. I just can't pretend to care. Well, about you know, the thing is, We've we positively reviewed WrestleMania. We positively reviewed. I like a lot of their shows. Yeah, I like a lot of these PLEs are fine. You know, they're they're pretty decent shows. 
I thought the Saudi show was the best Saudi show they ever did. And, and, um, there were, there were, uh, good matches on that show. As I said, sometimes there's, there, there, there's good matches in a vacuum. I like everything that Cody does. I'm not probably not going to like what he's doing on this show. Um, <laughs> You know, I I still love Brock. It's funny because their fans generally don't like Brock. Gunther is incredible. Um, the Bloodline stuff is not for me, but, you know, that, let's not do that again today. Um, I do want to say this, though, sort of may, may, it might be more of a bigger picture sort of topic that I want to bounce off you since we're not really that all enthused by the pay-per-view. And this isn't, you know... It, we're not exactly going to give a, a thorough, detailed preview of this thing anyway. No, th- this uh, is not- where if we still had the MyBookie sponsorship, we would just go through the odds. And that would yeah. be our preview. And I kind of wish we did. Still I mean, I that. just have I, I have no desire to dive deep on these storylines or anything. I just I, I I have no desire to do it. So, you know, I was watching NXT the other day. You know how much I hate NXT. I I, I genuinely think NXT right now is the worst major league nationally televised pro wrestling show that there's ever been. It is irredeemably bad. It's horrendous. It's um, it's, I don't even consider it pro wrestling. I I don't, I know that's a harsh statement, but what NXT is, I don't think it's pro wrestling. If you watch the NXT show, it's a series of vignettes and skits with a bunch of conventionally attractive people, which is what they seek out because they're making television shows. You know, they're, they're not making pro wrestling. This company is making television shows. So they seek out conventionally attractive people with nice bodies and nice faces and, you know, all under the age of 30. And they have them in these series of skits and vignettes where they just do horrendous low level soap opera slash porn level acting. And it's just so bad. It's it's someone walks in the room and you're embarrassed level bad this show. And then when they have the matches, the matches aren't any good. And, you know, it's, there's a certain house style in WWE, especially with NXT, where even when you have something like uh, this week, uh, Tyler Bate wrestled Wesley, I believe in the opener on NXT, this was gold rush uh, night one, I guess. Yeah. Wesley and Tyler Bate. This was the episode I watched. So I guess it was two weeks ago, but, um, and you're like, Oh, that, that might be, but it never reaches its potential because they're so constrained by the house style. Then you get something like Cora Jade and Dana Brooke. And it's one of the worst matches you'll ever see. Like you wonder how they can put that on TV. It's embarrassingly bad. Like Dana Brooke, I guess we should just give it another decade. You, you know what I mean? Like, it's going to work. Years. This, no, I, I think it's going to work this decade. I do. I do. She's, it's she's useless and she sucks. It has been and they don't give up on these people forever. I, I love and, to do because we love to do this with the, you know a, a few of the NXT women. I want to see. We, we do it with Aaliyah all the time. I want to see what Dana Brooks' first match was in uh, NXT September eighteenth, twenty fourteen. Like I said, maybe if we give it another decade. 2014, Dana Brooke and Sasha Banks defeat Alexa Bliss and Bailey. And there was a time where I thought Dana Brooke had some potential. Hey, you wanted to get the championship. The championship. But (laughs) Dana Brooke defeats Blue Pants. (laughs) Look at this match here. And look, look, Cora Jade is terrible. And I know there's people who, no one who I respect, but there's people who think she's good. She's not, but it doesn't matter. 
she's going to go to the main roster someday and they're going to push her and they're going to and she's going to get over because, you know, they've cultivated a fan base that doesn't care about the things that we care about. And that's fine. But it's just not for me anymore. I mean, that match was abysmal. It was you go to your local indie this weekend. This would have been Cora J. Dana Brooke would be one of the worst matches on any local indie. That's how bad it was. You know, and then, you know, they bring in Seth Rollins to face Braun Breakar, and it was fine. Braun still suffers from the things he always suffers from. No crowd connection, no charisma between the bells. But again, it's not going to matter. Um, and what they've done with NXT is their ratings are up and they're doing better because they're loading up the show with Seth Rollins and then other people from the main roster who have nothing going on, like Baron Corbin or, you know, uh, whoever else up and down the card because they're gearing up for their next round of television negotiations. So they want to get all their ratings up. And I understand that. And it's a good strategy. And Seth Rollins legitimately drew a monster quarter hour for his match against Braun Breaker. Um, You know, so you can't knock it from a business perspective, but the show is awful. I mean, the vignettes and the skits and, and I'm making a larger point here. And that larger point is this is the future of this company. Not necessarily all these bad wrestlers that are on the show. They're the future too. But this is what they want their shows to be. And this is what Raw and SmackDown have increasingly become. And it's it, it's something that I am going to have no interest in. Because this style of whatever this is, because it's not pro wrestling, holds no appeal to me. It, it's awful. And this is what WWE wants to be and is going to become. And it just makes you so thankful that something like AEW exists. And I'm sure this piece of audio will make the rounds and people will shit on me and I don't fucking care. But they're going to you're going to say I'm kissing Tony Khan's ass or, you know, but because AEW at least resembles pro wrestling, you know, AEW is pro wrestling. This isn't. And that was my big thought watching it. This episode of NXT, it was like, oh, this is what WWE wants to be and is going to be. And my interest has never been lower and it's only going to get lower as we move forward. And it's really sort of a crisis that I'm having because I don't know how much more of this I can watch. It's just, it's awful. It's, it's irredeemably bad. The commentary, the growling ring announcers, the awful porn level acting. Th- there's, there's no promos on these shows. They do these bad um, scripted sort of, uh, what do you call them? Sketches or vignettes. I don't even know what you would call them. Like, no one cuts promos. Nobody anymore. cuts promos. No. They, they, you know, this isn't, ex- you know, whatever happened to Ric Flair and Fritz Von Erich cutting promos on each other before Ric faced Kerry, you know, that great world class episode with that great promo. Whatever happened to, to you know, there, there's nothing on these shows that they're not teaching people to go out there and do Dusty Rhodes hard times. Believe me, they're not going out there teaching people, uh, you know, to be CM Punk. You know, they're not going out there. Uh, whatever, you know, it's just they're not teaching people to be Jim Cornette and, and the Express standing there at the podium cutting a fucking promo on the Fantastics or the Rock and Roll Express. It's over. It's over. That's not what they do. In, and that's pro wrestling. And that's what I like. I like pro wrestling. You know, I don't I don't like Fallon Henley and Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs, all of these one note cartoon characters, because that's what they are. It feels like I'm watching 1994 WWF again. Everyone in NXT is a single note cartoon character. None of them have any of the 
that characteristic one definable traits. There's of, one trait yeah. about each person, and that's their only def- and that's, definable that's who trait. They, are. Yeah. they don't have the characteristics of real human beings. And then you have to watch them do these awful sketches and skits where they're just this one note character, this one note cartoon. And it just holds no appeal whatsoever to me. And if you like it, great. I am thankful that something else is thriving in the marketplace. We know, you know, AEW is going to get another TV deal and they're doing great. They're about to do an $8 million gate. They just did the the third biggest gate in history of Canada. I'm not worried about them succeeding. Okay. And thankfully they are. Thankfully, the Challenger brand, the Pepsi, the Burger King exists because imagine if it didn't. This is the future of WWE. This is what they want it to be. And it's unwatchable awful. It's so bad because it just drifts so far from what pro wrestling ever was and what brought me into this and what appeals to me when it comes to pro wrestling. And thankfully, uh, there is something else out there. I mean, um, it was a rough watch. I mean, it is, it, it, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's amazing. It's just, they don't, they don't want anything to have any depth. They just want conventionally attractive people doing, uh, you know, a one note cartoon and, you know, here comes Fallon Henley. She's the country girl. Uh, you know, here comes, uh, Tyler Bate. He's like a guru now or something. You know, here comes DJ Carl. Excuse me. He has two characteristics. Yeah, he's yeah. Native, hey, show some he's goddamn na- respect. He's, he's Native American and he's a DJ. Yeah. So he has show two. some goddamn respect. To DJ there, there's Carl. a guy with. There, there's your depth. You know. So it's like it's 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 very it's very lame. I, I and um you know as far as money in the bank goes, um you know uh swinging back to that. There's a lot of people calling for Logan Paul to win the men's match, and I say fuck it, why not? Yeah, because great. love it. He's more interesting than anybody else in the company. Absolutely. I mean, so so you know, I I I've done nothing but positively review Logan Paul. Um, does anyone want to see Shinsuke Nakamura no. sleepwalk through another push? No. Does anyone no. want to see the, the, Ricochet who uh, get another teased push? <laughs> uh, there's some people that get behind L.A. Knight, but I have no interest in that personally. That that is one of those um, things. The second they put L.A. Knight on that pedestal, it is when people are going to start kind of turning on it, and the company itself is going to turn on. We've seen that a thousand times. Where it happened with Otis. Remember when they gave Otis the money in the bank, and then they were just like, ah. God damn it. We gave Otis the money in the bank and LA Knight is more talented than Otis. But if you remember, like they did that, they were like, oh, Otis has got all this momentum. They gave him the money in the bank and then they just couldn't wait to figure out a way to get that fucking money in the bank away from Otis as quick as possible. So LA Knight screams that the reason I want Logan Paul to do it is because Logan Paul is a guy that that company treats like a star, but he treats himself like a star. The crowd treats him like a star and it raises the level of every match that he's in because it's like, oh, this is a star. Here's a guy. Here's a guy that really feels like he's different and unique and 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 above, you know, uh, the 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 you know, the blob that is this WWE roster. If Santos Escobar, Butch, Damian Priest, Ricochet, Shinsuke, LA Knight, like none of those guys. I mean, none of those guys. LA Knight is a little bit above the blob, but like again, I, I think they would get so bored of that so quick and the company itself even would get bored of it. Logan Paul's the guy. I mean, Logan Paul's absolutely the guy to win that money in the bank because yeah, when he's in a big time match, it feels big because they treat him like a big deal. He knows he's a big deal. He comes out. He, he has that presence. He has that it factor. And you know, they let him do big time things. They plan his matches out. They do all, they give him a treatment that they do not give to their own 
homegrown WWE stars. They're, they're a, a superstar creation machine, but they're, they're horrible at doing it. They don't make any superstars. The only people that do them, they do make superstars are the people that are already stars that come into the company and then they treat like stars, like your bad bunnies and your Logan Pauls and those sort of types. So yeah, hey, Cody. Yeah, Cody. Yeah, who, who was ready made pretty much don't have to do anything but just treat him like a star. And they could do that. They could do that with a lot of guys on this roster. They just don't care to because they think most of these guys stink or they just get on that. You know, we call it the hamster wheel or the blob or whatever you want to call it. But over time, if you're in that company enough, you just you become part of the blob. And the only people that aren't in that blob are people that are stars elsewhere. Or they come in for a short time because Logan Paul's not in the blob. Bad Bunny's not in the blob. Cody is is barely in the blob. I would consider him out of the blob, obviously, because he's Cody. Um, and you know Brock Lesnar probably out of the blob because he you know he comes in every so often. And you can look at somebody on this card, Ronda Rousey, who's absolutely in the blob now. Who used to be that? Who used to be special and unique and interesting and all that sort of stuff? And they used to treat her like she was a big deal. But then they threw into this tag team with Shayna Baszler. She's basically had a really bad run over the last year. And now she is just a roster member that you forget she's even on the roster. And you see and you go, oh, yeah, Ronda Rousey. Remember when like she was a discernible big-time star and a draw for this company? Now she's just a person on the wheel, in the blob, the hamster wheel, whatever you want to call it, just a person on the roster, and she's teaming with Shayna Baszler against Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. I'm sure you cannot wait to, to watch that. Yeah, Rousey came back to know uh, the crowd didn't care about her whatsoever, you know, and then you got the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. I couldn't imagine caring who wins that. Um, <laughs> it's Trish, you know. Becky, Bailey, Io Sky, Zelina Vega, and Zoe Stark. You got Seth Rollins and Finn Balor, which they've done some good angles to build that, including Finn Balor attacking Rollins after Rollins beat Braun Breaker. So that match has a little bit of juice. Um, You've got uh, Reigns and Sokoa versus the Usos, which, again, if that's your thing, great. I get it. Actually, I don't get it. But if that's your thing, that's fine. I have less than zero interest in any of that. I can't take it anymore. Rich, I found a video on YouTube the other day from WWE. That said something like the title was something like Jimmy Uso has had enough of Roman Reigns abusing Jay. Right. And I was like, oh, all right. Maybe I could just watch this and skip Smackdown this week. Right. So I click the video. <laughs> yeah, what was this video from? <laughs> so so check it out. Halfway through, I realized, wait, what is this? I look, it was from two years ago. <laughs> yeah, they've been doing the same. And, and, and not only that. Within the promo that Jimmy was cutting on Roman, he said to him, and I quote, you've been abusing Jay for a year, Oos. So not only was this video two years old, they said that the angle had been going on already for a year. This has been three years of Roman Reigns and the Usos at odds. Three years. Nothing ever fucking happens. Joe, it comes to a head here at Money in the Bank. Surely this will be it. This will be the end. Roman and Solo versus the Usos. It's over. It's taken them three (laughs) years to get here. And there's no doubt in my mind that it's not over here. I I, I don't think that the Usos will win and Roman will grab his ribs and and extend his hand and then they will go their separate ways and we'll all remember the bloodline forever and ever and ever as they all go on their separate ways. Yeah, that's not rich from their standpoint. Why wouldn't you drag it out? I would drag it out forever because people keep watching it and keep buying tickets for it. So go for it. Yeah. 
So there's no reason that's clearly working. It's 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 very much not for me. And I think that's probably one of the disconnects, too, is like normally it's like, ah, this company, I'm not connecting with it. And the ratings reflect it. And like the 20, you know, we talked about 2021 and, and, you know, that being just this horrific period or a lot of 2022. It's horrific period for WWE that we were just like, dude, I don't give a shit about anything going on here. And the crowd kind of reflected that too. the crowd, you know, attendances were bad and, and ratings were not great and all that sort of thing. And it was like, okay, well, at least we're kind of at lockstep. Now it's like, I'm going this way and and it seems like all their viewers are going this way. So you know what? It's just not for me anymore. And that's fine. That's okay. You always say that about AEW. It's not for everybody. WWE is just not for me anymore. That's fine. But what is for me, Joe, Joe, or go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, what, one more quick point. What what they really have done is they filtered out. They they, they really have cultivated a, a fan base that really likes the product now. You have to yeah. give them credit for that. Oh, for sure. Because it used to be half the crowd would reject all their shit. The, all the people who used to reject all their shit, they're like us. They're not watching no more. They're gone. They left. And 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 so you have to give them credit from that standpoint for finally cultivating an audience that's all in on all of the shit that they're doing. So um, I don't know. This weekend to wrap it up. I'll hope Gunther Matt Riddle's a good match, which has a chance to be great. Should be great. And, uh, Should be great. You know, Rollins and Balor is well built. I'm tired of the ladder matches, Rich. I really don't have any oh, you get two. more ladder matches. <laughs> you get two WWE ladder matches with WWE's black ladders that will break in the middle perfectly. Oh, come on. You don't want to see somebody do a leg drop through a WWE ladder and the WWE ladder break. Oh, come on. Yep. And then from there, I mean, you know, main event where they're going to be promos on each other. Couldn't care less. (laughs) Come on. And the rest of it is just, you're not, you're not excited about Cody Rhodes and Dom Mysterio. (laughs) I will Rhea Ripley with mommy. Mommy's going to be there. Poppy and mommy. Perfect place to end this. I will never care about that. Even in the O2 Arena in London on Peacock, 2 p.m. Central. I will never care about Dominic. <sighs> Damn it. All right. I said I was going to stop asking, but I, I thought maybe this would change it, the, the Cody story. But uh, apparently apparently has not. So Okay. So we're going to take a quick break here. We're just going to get uh, Biss on the line here. So I'm going to play the, uh, the old hold music here. We're going to go on mute. Uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Get Biss on here uh, and talk about Inspire AD's 10th anniversary as well. Some big picture uh indie wrestling uh, thoughts and whatnot. So just give us a minute and we'll be back. All right, we're back here on the flagship podcast. Joe is here as well. We have a very special guest. It is our first ever guest on the show all those many, many, many years ago. It is Justin Bissonette. We'll call him Biss a lot. You'll hear us say Biss a lot. Uh, Biss, welcome back to the show after many, many, many years. What's up, guys? It's a uh, pleasure to be back, man. Thank you very much for having me. So, Joe, we were, you and I were talking about this at the top of the show. Biss is, is, is number one, right? He was the absolute first guest we had ever had on, on our, our dumb show, right? Yeah, first guess, which meant one less person to listen. <laughs> so we had which one, means like, one person listening then. <laughs> yeah, which means, yeah, which means like three people probably listened. But um, in all seriousness, the show probably doesn't exist without his early support because the connections he helped us make with other people in wrestling. And, you know, he didn't have to do that. I mean, our our show was literally nothing, you know, and, and he, he came on the show and brought some listeners and and introduced us, helped us network and, and meet other people. 
um, you know, helped us with our relationship with those guys up in St. Louis, uh, Pierre Abernathy, who I think is just going as Matt Jackson these days. Cause I don't think he's wrestling anymore. And, and that whole crew, which led to a bunch of interviews that helped us out, like, you know, interviewing the uh, submission squad guys and TJP and people like that. And then it just, you know, it, 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 it spirals from there. And then, you know, and then Biss has been on the show. This probably is his third or fourth time doing something with us. So, um, and, and, and look at him in that time. I mean, when we had him on the first show, um, he was plugging the anarchy championship wrestling show that was coming up. Um, I think it was from innocence to insanity 2012 and inspire hadn't, didn't even exist yet. He was still, you know, working the office for, 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 for anarchy. And now, you know, he starts his own company in 2013. And here we are 10 years later having the 10th anniversary show. So I thought it'd be a great idea to come full circle and have them back on. So Inspire, you know, has it, it, it's been, you know, Inspire's been around so long, it's undergone a name change. You know, it's Inspire AD now. And, um, you know, really has become the independent promotion in Austin, Texas. So, um, Bis, you know, I, I just want to thank you because I, I don't know if this show legitimately exists today, if not for you. I'm, I'm blushing over here, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. The, I, and to I the mean, people we, who hate the show, it's all his yeah, fault. Yeah, it's all business fault, actually, because we probably would not be here if it wasn't yeah. for him. So it, blame him. It, I'm still on Twitter, so I got to deal with that. I got to sell tickets, guys. Sorry. Yeah, not great. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I thought it'd be fun. You know, we're going to we're going to talk about a lot of independent wrestling topics and, um, you know, of course, we're going to let you plug away at, uh, on your show you got coming up. Uh, well, actually, why don't you do that first? Oh, so yeah, do, that now. do that now. Yeah, go ahead. Plug oh, away. You, you want the, the hard sell now? The, the and then you'll Sunday, yeah, look, Sunday, listen, Sunday, yeah. Yeah, and then you can do it. Yeah, you're doing two. You, you're ahead. getting two hard sells. Are you kidding? We're going to give you one I'll at the top and it. one at the bottom. Yeah, go ahead. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, this Sunday, or I'm sorry, not this Sunday. Um, July 9th is our 10th year anniversary. We'll be live on IWTV, uh, first time broadcasting live on that network. So very excited for that. I know there's a ton of people that are subscribers and, and are, are watching. It seems to be the, the most popular platform. So very excited to see the response there. Um, and we got a big one. Um, Will Allday versus Kevin Knight is a match that I'm very excited to be promoting. Um, I think Kevin Knight's one of the best up and coming independent wrestlers out there. I'm very excited to put him with Will all day. Uh, Yu Yamora is back on the card with us. He's taking on one of the younger guys in our area, uh, Danny O'Brien. And our main event is uh, about a year in the making as Dimitri Alexandrov takes on Rachel Rose. And, uh, and we can get more into this as we, we go into the, the interview here, but we're doing a, a title ranking match, which is kind of Special to our promotion, um, when two champions face each other, one doesn't vacate the belt. It just decides what belt is more prestigious. Um, I think those are the heavy hitters. 
Yeah, it's really cool that you guys are going to be streaming live uh, on IWTV as well, because I know that uh, when I've, I followed Inspire AD, and for those that do not know, if you're if you're subscribed to independentwrestling.tv, uh, Inspire AD is on there. But there tends to be a little bit of a lag in terms of when a show gets up there. It, you know, it'll take a week or two or, or, or you know, in, in, in some cases, a couple of weeks or whatever to get on there. But yeah, this is live. And I, and, and I know that that's obviously a huge undertaking for, for an indie like you and all indies, uh, really. But I think it speaks to the point that I wanted to get right off off the bat is like just the difference in what we've had over the last 10 years from when, you know, inspire pro started or even to the days of anarchy uh, to where we are now, where it is just super casual for you to say, yeah, we're going to be streaming live on IWTV. Go watch it. Like that, the idea of that occurring <laughs> in when we first did the show uh, in 2012 was, it's just absolutely foreign because that just, it, it, it was in its infancy. Streaming was in its infancy. The people that did do it were mostly doing it poorly. You know, Ring of Honor themselves, even the, even the top indie in America, the Go Fight Live era was just awful and just terrible and, and, and basically destroyed any confidence that anybody had in any streaming basically happening. And it took pretty much till the WWE Network comes along and actually does it right. And if you remember, people were like, I don't know, are they gonna be able to do this? And they did it right. And from that point forward, everyone's kind of done it okay. You know what I mean? Not maybe not perfect across the board, but the idea now that, you know, 10 years later, you know, as you're celebrating your 10th anniversary, that you guys could just say, yeah, we're streaming live and you can go watch it. Like, it seems mundane. It seems like, yeah, that's just what indies do now. But, you know, can you kind of speak to that of, of how how different that was than 10 years ago where you wouldn't be able, you know, how would you, you know, for people that were trying to watch the show that lived in, in you know, wherever, it wasn't that easy just to pop on uh, independentwrestling.tv and watch you guys live. And that, that's a huge change that's happened over the last 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, when I started, it was still the DVD era, DVD era right? Like um, IW Mid-South and, and Chikara and CZW were like the kings of that stuff. And yeah, it was, how do I get my DVDs on sale, you know, six months later on, on smart mark. Um, that, that was a, that was a big boon for us that, that I had the connection with smart mark through anarchy to be able to get our stuff on there early. Um, so yeah. And like you said, even, even the big promotions were having trouble with streaming back then. Uh, I remember watching a lot of buffering wheels and, uh, I think even the WWE network that first, showcase i think i watched tyler breeze's boots walk across the screen like seven or eight times you know um but yeah it's uh it's crazy kind of thinking back where we were then um to now where anybody literally anybody can stream live you can stream live on youtube um you know twitch um there's tons of platforms that you can if you want to get your stuff out there live there, there's a way to do it it may not be the the most glamorous or, or the best option, but there's definitely options out there for, for anybody to be able to do that live. Um, the thing I really like about IWTV is that you have kind of all these, you have one place to go for what should be, you know, and there should be some quality control there um, as far as some of the best independents on there and, and broadcast. Um, sometimes it may not always feel like that's the case, but I think more times than not, there's a, there's a certain level that they're held up to. So you mentioned you have a match between two champions, and I hate to go full Jim Ross here, but that's kind of a, a unique concept in where the winner, their title becomes the more prestigious title in the company as opposed to them taking both titles. That's something I don't think I've, I, I'm not aware of any other promotion doing anything like that. I also look at your card. And I see two gimmicks on the card that really were created 
in your promotion and in fact debuted on your debut show 10 years ago that being the great depression and that being void you know void was this mystery opponent in the four-way on on the first show and it turned out to be mike dell who is sort of you know at that time is he still wrestling by the way mike dell is he still around or no uh, he, he's taking some time off. I think he injured his back. Uh, he's mostly doing acting gigs right now. I think that's how he injured his back. Um, but yeah, he's still popping up from time hey, to time. You hear that safety police? <laughs> this man injured his back acting, not wrestling. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, Mike Dell, who was kind of, you know, um, uh, you know, a local star down here. I remember at one time I, I would go to five or six different indies down here and Mike Dell would be would work for every single one of them and had, would have a different role on every single in every single promotion. He'd be yeah. a junior champion in one place. He'd be a heel in another place. For you, he was like the way you booked him early was like he was the babyface legend of Austin. You know, like that. Like that was his role there. He was just so versatile and could do everything, and everybody booked him. But um, but anyway, he was the first void. He unmasked on that show as Mike Dell, and the, and I was there, and you know the roof blew off, and um. So what I'm getting at here is with the concept with this, uh, you know, this match where the, the the winning person's title becomes the more important title, gimmicks like the Great Depression and Void, which have lasted a decade. How important do you think it is as a booker and a promoter to have these sorts of gimmicks that are unique to your promotion when maybe in the same city or the same state or even in some cases across the country, everybody's using the same 12 talents they're doing the same kinds of matches. So just from a promoter standpoint, let's get in your brain a little bit. Do you think about those things? Do you think about, you know, the Great Depression and Void? Those are Inspire things that our fans can only see if they come to an Inspire show. These sort of uh, unique concepts with these title belts, same deal. Is that something that you think about and you actively try to push forward? Yeah, 110%. Um, you know, I think you nailed, the, you nailed it on the head right there. It's almost like you're playing Iron Chef, you know. You get the same ingredients, but you you got to put it together in a way that's different from everybody else. Uh, everyone talks about, hey, everyone should work together. Everyone should be able to work everywhere. Um, stuff like that lets us kind of stand out and uh, and have our own unique thing that you can only see at Inspire. You can only see when you come to us. Um, if it, I always I kind of laugh on that, hey. Everyone should be working together. All the indies should be working together. It, it's the same freaking guys on all shows. Like, what? What is the point to work together? There's, there's no, there's nothing I can send to another show that they can't get on their own by just messaging the guy and bringing them in. Um, now that doesn't mean like go tear down their flyers or, or you know, actively try to run against somebody. But um, it, it's not as easy to be all kumbaya as people kind of make it out to be. And even if it is easy, you know, to, to your point, like, yeah, it might be, you know, for, for some companies, it might be, yeah, we have a great relationship and we're able to kind of share talent or whatever. But then you end up kind of seeing the same people and the same matches and the same things and over and over and over. And that, I think, has been, to me, one of the bigger issues with uh, indie wrestling and, and, and especially like, you know, certain regions of indie wrestling, but particularly like your national indies all kind of feel very samey and you can you, whatever you want to include in there if you want to put prestige in there and you want to put gcw in there you want to put you know west coast pro in there you want to put in deadlock pro like i think they all do some things a little bit differently but it it, it is 
it is something where like as you watch a lot of those shows and you watch as many of those those indies as you can, I think all of them do, you know, very they, they do a lot of things very, very good. Wrestling Revolver, you can include in this as well. They all they all do some things, you know, unique and some things different. But at the end of the day, a lot of times you're just watching a lot of the same people wrestle a lot of the same people. You know what I mean? And and and, and it's just something I've, I've decided in, in 2023 to start doing a lot more of is embracing and watching regional indies a lot more because we, we you know Joe and I will harp a lot on, you know, the national indies and, oh, we don't like this. We don't like that. And these guys are all. But what I have found over this year is I, as I've watched more, you know, regional indies, I go to IWTV and I just say, hey, all right, here's, you know, Naptown Pro Wrestling they, out of Indianapolis. I think they do a great job. Action. We talk about action all the time. And, and, and um, you know, they I think they do a great job. Sup, you know, Southern Underground Pro, I think, does a really good job of this as well. And Inspire does a really good job of it as well Is when I watch an Inspire show. I'm seeing new people all the time. Every time I watch an Inspire show, it's like, okay, I don't know who this person is. I'm kind of interested. Let's let's see. Whereas if I watch a prestige show or whatever, and I'm just throwing them out as an example or whatever, I kind of know everybody that, that comes through the curtain. I know what the vibe is. I know what they are, and I know what they're going to do. And and that's you know, I don't, I just don't find that as exciting anymore about you know indie wrestling. One of the things that that attracted me to indie wrestling was that you saw different gimmicks and and different things and different people and 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 unique atmospheres or whatever. And that's something that that I think you guys. Have have done well. Uh, New Texas Pro, uh, somebody in, in our chat room brought up that that's a great company as well of one that I have really enjoyed watching over the last couple of months when I've just said, you know what, instead of bitching about national indies, there's all these regional indies to go watch. So let me go watch a little bit of that. And, and you know, hearing that you that is something that you think about is, is, is definitely it's good to know, because I think that that does set you guys apart. And maybe it doesn't get as as many retweets and maybe it's not as glamorous or whatever. But, man, you watch those shows. I watch your Inspire shows from the Empire, and, and that crowd's buzzing. That crowd's going nuts. I watch a new Texas Pro in, in whatever random warehouse or whatever that building is that they're in, and people are going nuts. I watch Action Wrestling. Those guys are going, you know, like I, I like that a lot more. Give me that in, in, in modern indie wrestling more so than just, a, you know, a quote-unquote super indie booking the same 20 people over and over and over again. It's just I, I have I have no time for that, no need for that. But, you know, I, I guess I'm sure there's challenges to that, too, and I guess you can speak to that of, of – it's not as easy to maybe get attention onto your shows because you're not booking name talent. And instead you're trying to build, you know, a will all day, you, you know, you guys are trying to build that the great Scott, a guy I really like uh, that you guys book a lot where, where, yeah, that's not, those aren't household names, but you guys are trying to make them into the stars of, of the promotion and the big time guys in the promotion. You know, it, do you, do you run up against that challenge of, of not just feeling like, ah, you know what, let's just book a bunch of popular guys and, and get a bunch of retweets and likes and ticket sales maybe and, and, and go from there. Yeah, and I, I think a common through line with, with a lot of the promotions that you mentioned, they, they focus on that on that local crowd. They focus on the people that are coming in and buying tickets because for guys like us, tickets are what pays the bills. You know, the, the local tickets, the gate is what's going to pay for the show. So you kind of you look after your your local audience first, and then you kind of supplement it with, with guys like a Kevin Knight that can come in and really be a good matchup, maybe not on a national scale. Like when I put that match out in the discord, right? Somebody from, from Illinois or somebody from the West coast or the East coast that may not pique their interest, but for my crowd, they're going to go, Holy shit. will all day. And if they, if they know Kevin Knight through um, strong, which I'm banking on or new Japan, which I'm banking on, they're going to get excited for that match. And they're more likely to, to buy a ticket and to then tell their buddies, hey, I, I know that you haven't been to a show yet, but this match is going to happen. You're really going to enjoy it. Trust me, come out and check it out. 
Um, whereas, you know, and I, I like what Revolver does. I, I like what some of the other companies you mentioned. Um, but like 2016, we had this huge glut of, of the super indies, right? And I, I really feel like as independent wrestling, and we never really jumped into this. Uh, we, we dabbled a little bit just because the, the names were around. But we burnt through so many, like, quote-unquote, dream matches or first-time matchups. And, and sometimes it was, like, the third match on, on a show, right? I mean, we had Wrestle Circus right here in Austin. And I, I want to say the, the show I went to, like, uh, Adam Page versus Willie Mack was, like, the third match, you know? Um, and a lot of those guys, a lot of these guys aren't around. A lot of those guys aren't running. Um, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but, like, um, Warrior Wrestling up there in, in Chicago just announced the card and there's crazy names on it and there's like zero buzz for it. Um, they, they've kind of burnt out their ability to create buzz just by putting out a crazy card with 17 fly-ins. Um, whereas if you invest in your local guys and, and you invest in, in a story month over month or, or show over show, whatever you're running, uh, and that local crowd is invested, um, the international crowd may not be be interested in what T. Ray Watford's doing, but as long as the people in Austin, Texas, are like, okay, I've got to see what's going to happen with T. Ray Watford and Brick Savage and Mysterious Q next show, then that's where we hook and bring our guys in every every show and every month. Well, one thing that I have always praised you for privately is, especially in the early days, you would generally do one big fly-in, okay. You'd bring them in and they'd put one of your guys over, you know, the very first show you bring in Chuck Taylor loses in the main event. A couple months later, you bring in Chris hero and he puts over Ray Rowe, who at the time was a Texas guy. He had moved from Ohio and he was based in Texas and he was working all these shows in Texas and you were really getting behind Ray Rowe and Chris hero comes in and puts him over. You know, I could go right down the line and I always thought that was a very smart strategy because a lot of promoters fall into this trap and it sounds like I'm kissing your ass, but I'll bury you for something later to even it out. Um, um, But, but you know, a lot of promoters will bring in the big name and get so enamored that they, Oh my God, I've got this big name. And then they put them over one of their guys. And that doesn't make any sense because you're not going to book that guy every month. Right. So, uh, that's is that still sort of a strategy you like to employ from time to time? Bring in the national name, maybe to get some extra eyes on or to convince someone locally to buy a ticket because they recognize somebody, but then use them and utilize them in a way where you're helping to get somebody else over. Yeah, that I mean, um, that comes from, I was very blessed with a lot of the people that were around Anarchy when I was there. Um, and I, I learned a lot there. I mean, that, I mean, I don't want to, like, I'm not trying to drop names, but I'm going to drop some names. Like, that comes from, like, being in a car with Jerry Lynn, driving and, and hearing that, hearing him say, like, hey, I, I understand that I should be putting these guys over. Um, but also, like, if you're going to spend the money on a flight, on a, a higher uh, match rate um, to bring this guy in, why would you then tell your crowd that your guy that's there every month is less than them? Why would you not want to tell your crowd, hey, your hometown hero just hasn't been discovered yet. He's just as good as this guy on TV. 
keep supporting him, stay behind him, buy a ticket for next show, cheer your head off because he he's right there. He can beat this guy. He's just as good as him. Um, so, you know, and, you know, for the most part, everyone knows the deal, right? They understand what wrestling is. But psychology-wise, why would you tell your crowd that your guy is not as good as this TV guy just because he's on TV? If I'm paying you to come work for me and that's the fee and that that's the flat rate, I'd much rather have my guy look good. And if it's not, then we talked about that beforehand, and I'm, I'm probably not going to use you um, in that type of situation, right? So, okay, here's the – all right, you want the balance? You want me to bury you? Yeah, so, bury me. <laughs> all right, so you know I hate intergender. I'm not yeah. – I, I can't stand the intergender. You have always been a big proponent of intergender, but I, 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 what I want you to tell our audience, I, I think I understand why. People have to understand Austin, okay? It's a unique wrestling city in that, first of all, it's a Sunday town. And the reason for that, and correct me if I'm wrong, of course, is Austin, for people who don't know, is known as the live music capital of the world and all that. And Saturday night, people go see music. That's just what they do. And it would be foolish to attempt to run wrestling on Saturday nights. So Austin, unlike a lot of other towns is always predominantly been a Sunday town for their wrestling. The other thing about Austin is, look, I come from the Northeast. When I was going to indie shows in New York and Philly and New Jersey, um, you know, they call New Jersey the cradle of American soccer. I think New Jersey is like the cradle of independent wrestling. That's like where, you know, you know that, 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 that when people think of independent wrestling, a lot of people think in the Northeast, but those crowds were made up of, newsletter readers like half the crowd you know that they were just running home to read the sheets and get on the internet and argue with each other and um texas crowds and especially austin crowds from what i've seen are not like that the what texas indie crowds and austin indie crowds especially seem to be to me are the same people who are going out to see live music on saturday night there uh it's, it's the same crowd and they don't give a shit necessarily about they want to see good matches, but they're not there to see work rate. They're not there to they're not ready to run home and send the results to Meltzer to put in the observer. Okay. And Austin has always been a progressive town, a a a a, a slice of blue and a sea of Texas red. We all know that. And when I think back to anarchy, anarchy was doing intergender before it was cool. Anarchy had an, an incredibly strong women's division. Before it was cool, you know, with the American Joshi tournaments and all that. You were a part of that. You were part of that office. Anarchy had people like Portia Perez and Rachel Summerlin who were part of the, you know, creative team or, you know, booking team or, or office who, you know, Portia Perez is a, a, a trem- everyone knows she's a great wrestling mind. And so you had women in prominent positions in Austin and, and, and part of that scene long before it was cool long before people were pushing for it. So I just think it's kind of been almost, there's almost a legacy in Austin of strong women's wrestling. Again, before Stephanie McMahon invented it (laughs) and intergender wrestling has always been part of the fabric of Austin independent wrestling as well. Am I on to something or am I completely full of shit? No, I think, I think you're definitely on to something. Um, I, 
I don't know if I would say I'm a proponent of intergender wrestling. Um, actually, when we when we we have a, a strong line between uh, women's wrestling and, and men's wrestling on our show at one point, and I, I was actually the lone voice that was like that wanted to keep it. Um, and the, the reason my reason was was that sometimes intergender wrestling can be used against the girls in a way to where it's almost like, well, the girls are good, but they, they need to be in there with the guy to really be in a main event spot or, or something along those lines. Um, I, I think there, there's a much more powerful message when, you know, there's two girls one-on-one and the story's good enough that it's the main event and you put it in that spot. Um, but that said, in, in Anarchy, you know, I was broken by Rachel Summerlin. Um, so I, I kind of, from the very beginning, had that mindset was around me. Portia Perez, obviously, was a, a major part of that company. Uh, Sarah Del Rey was there early. Um, and what you kind of do as a booker is that you just stop thinking about the gender of the wrestlers. They're just wrestlers at that point. And they, um, you know, a female wrestler doesn't like there was that Brian Cage versus Tessa Blanchard match that I thought was god awful, right? Because here's Tessa just doing all these crazy moves like Tessa, like you know, 140 pounds or whatever she was doing all these crazy moves to uh, you still have to like factor in physics and, and reality to it. Um. But it's just, it's the same thing like a smaller wrestler taking on a bigger wrestler. It's the same story, really. Um, so we just kind of don't really think about the gender um, as we're booking it. Uh, there's some cases where, like, if I have a Joshi wrestler in, I'm I'm more than likely going to have to work with some some social norms from, from that, like, that um, area, right? So I'm, I'm probably not going to do intergender when I bring in Joshi girls, right? It's probably going to be another female competitor. But, um, you know, with, with Rachel, she's crazy over right now as like this women's power figure, right? Like there's girls in the crowd that just go crazy uh, for Rachel, you know? Rachel and, Rose, you mean? Rachel Rose, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and she's really become kind of this, this figure that, that kind of been bodies this like, Abyss, are you still there? I think we may have lost this. You know, oh, I don't want to say feminist, but calm. Oh, no, you hear me? There, uh, yeah, yeah, you're good now. Yeah. You're, you're back now. But yeah, it's um, okay. Yeah, it, it's it's been really cool to kind of see that in the crowd that she she kind of uh, you know, and there hasn't always been a lot of female fans at shows, so it's cool to see them have somebody to latch onto and really get behind. So, as a follow up, you know, you mentioned that. That that no intergender really isn't something that you know you're a, you're a massive proponent of. Talk talk to us that as a booker, is it difficult sometimes to go against the instincts of what you might want to see and weigh that against what you think your audience wants to see, and sort of play that tug of war? Like, all right, I have to go against my sensibilities of what I like as a fan. Because I don't want to be making that lonely walk to the ATM at the end of the night. I got to put some asses in the seats. So I have to book a show that's going to appeal to my ticket buying audience. Is that a struggle that you that you're constantly 
facing as a booker what you want to see versus what you think the audience wants to see? Uh, early on, it was. Early on. And, and you've seen me make that walk to the ATM. I've so. seen you make that walk, yes. <laughs> um, old walk, yeah. yeah. Not great. So, early on, it, it was. Um, but it just kind of becomes second nature after a while. Um, it's, I mean, I hate it's kind of funny, but, you know, Joe Dirt, right? Like, it's, it's not what you like. It, it's what your customers will buy, right? So, um, when the meme wrestling went crazy, like you guys, you guys know me, like way back in the day, y'all were sending me shit from Noah that I, I was watching too. Like, um, you know, that's not necessarily my idea of professional wrestling, but if that's, what's going to bring people in and put a sh- spotlight on what I do think is, is my idea of professional wrestling, then yeah, I'm, I'm going to book those guys. Um, I'm going to bring them in and I'm going to try to use them to the best of my ability to get some visibility on, on some guys that wrestle more the style that, that I think uh, wrestling is. Yeah. So I, I want to do this. I think it'll be fun. I'm going to avoid the ones that are canceled so <laughs> you can stop tugging your collar. Um, I pulled your first show up. Oh boy. Yeah. So you're going to have to let us know where some of these people are at these days. So I know politically you might have to do some tap dancing <laughs> around some landmines, but uh, I thought it would be fun. If you need to go, Biss, if, if, if you need to go to work, you can let us know. We can, uh, we can, uh, uh, I think I hear the work phone. Going yeah. Sorry. Oh man. Darn. Well. <laughs> Is there some names on here that I'm legitimately curious? Uh, whatever happened to, you know what I mean? Um, There's names from a, a show six months ago. I have to talk about <laughs> that's, that's indie wrestling. Yeah. So, um, you know, like I said, though, look, from day one, two gimmicks created by you guys. And was this Max Meehan who had a hand in the Great Depression and Void? Um, who do you, who gets the credit for the Great Depression and Void? Yeah, that, that's Max. So um, it's a it's a team effort. But here's I'll, I'll tell you the deal on Great Depression. So and, and I'm going to mention somebody that's can't, I think canceled. And that, that's fine. He was part of the story. Um that we had a wrestler and Masada um, was somebody that at the time I talked to quite a bit. It was like, you know, motherfucker, you need to put a mask on this goofy son of a bitch. He's a giant, but he just can't fucking stop smiling. So and that's my best Masada fucking. It was good. I, hey, I, <laughs> not bad. Not bad at all. Um, so it, I literally, I sounds like you've done it before. Like, maybe once or twice. I need a, uh, I need a mask you know, to put on this guy. And I think Great Depression was like Max's like pet, like that was his his gimmick that he really wanted to do. So it was like the perfect like, and and this was the beginning. Like this guy like writes scripts for for um, commercials and uh, has like screenplays out. I don't necessarily trust him one hundred percent yet. So this is kind of like the okay, can you come up? What do you come up with here? Um, and yeah, so. We, we had this guy and that was the mask we put over his goofy smile. He's actually a, a really good friend of mine. And that's how great depression started there. Uh, Boyd. So that was kind of a, a play on words because uh, a few, maybe a year, year and a half before we came back, Mike Dell had beaten the shit out of a bouncer at a, at Mohawk and was banned from Mohawk. And basically Mohawk was the only place there was wrestling in Austin. So like, Mohawk for people for people who don't know, Mohawk is where Anarchy used to run. That was their venue. Yeah, and so 
it was like, okay, th- there's been a void in Austin wrestling. It's Mike Dell. That that was the play on words there. So that's funny. So he 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 got anarchy thrown out of the Mohawk, and and that's how the void gimmick got started. <laughs> uh, ba- basically, like it was it was either he goes or we go from the the building, and uh, well, he went. You know, so. All right, so 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 question one of what where are they now? Whatever happened to the Great Depression's French female manager? She was tremendous. Oh my god. So yes, but not so so hold on before you answer. For people who don't know, the Great Depression wears a burlap sack mask and a dress shirt and a tie, and is this uh huge overweight guy. And the idea is he's from literally the Great Depression, the Dust Bowl. Of like he's from like Kansas in 1920 is the gimmick, and he had this manager who was this French lady, who would come out. She was like his handler, you know, because he's like he's like a little slow too. Like that's it. So she would come out and she would just scream at the crowd in French. Like she'd get, she'd turn around and like give a shit. Like but in French, nobody knew what she was saying. But um, it was just I thought she was fantastic. I was like I don't know who she is, but. She might have a future in wrestling, and then poof, she was gone. So who the hell was she, and where'd she go? Yeah, so she was a lead singer for a local punk, all-female punk band. Um, she, yeah, um, your mind's going to automatically go somewhere, but it wasn't that. She just didn't mesh with like the like jock atmosphere of the locker room, right? So, um, you know, she, she's this like punk rock uh chick and like there's these uh very like wrestling oriented people in my locker room at the time a a lot of that has changed in 10 years too and she just didn't really enjoy being at the shows um she was great um like if in a different time i would have tried to like talk her into sticking around and and tried to making it work but it just seemed like she didn't really enjoy uh being there and didn't enjoy some of the people that were around Good for her. I yeah, say. B- being with wrestlers yeah. is tough unless you're a wrestler or you're in this shit. I, I, I totally I get it. Yeah. Ten, ten years into this, probably she made the better move than anybody else. on the <laughs> So um, you had a, a Davy Richards student, Darren Dean on the show. I believe he passed away. If I'm not mistaken. He, he did. Um, yeah. I'm tap dancing around this one. He actually held me up for more money that night. <laughs> so I never, um, never used them again after that. Yeah, I, I think yeah, well, he, he, he learned. He, well. hey, he learned a lot from Davey. Yes. Was was uh, <laughs> was was Tony Casino waiting outside behind the wheel? Like, yeah. what was going on? He must have been. Yeah, I love That's the trainee. The hell did you? You yeah, uh, so he yeah, drove go ahead. down. He drove down with the uh, with uh, Vega and, uh, and some other people. <laughs> I just walked up to Vega and I was like, hey, man, I'm pretty sure Homeboy just tried to hold me up for more money. He's like, cool, we'll just never bring him again. I'm like, all right, all right, we're good. So that's why uh, he was TV. never seen again. Wasn't he like a, wasn't he like a green as grass rookie too? Like, and he told me up saying. for money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, that was, he was like the fourth guy in the car load where it was like, all right, we've got to have four people to make this fucking drive. I'm like, all right, who do you got? And he's like, well, Davey's got this guy. I'm like, all right, we'll find something for him. You know, um, yeah, that motherfucker. <laughs> yes. God rest his soul. Yeah, rest in peace, Darren Dean. Um, 
Here's a name from the first show. Ricky Starks. Huh. Yeah. Whatever happened saw, to that guy? I never really saw much in the guy. Um, you know, <laughs> I haven't seen him around much. Pandemic, I think he just quit, you know? Um, yeah. That, that, like, the, uh, the first, well, hell, the whole company was basically like Ricky Starks is the antagonist of the first seven years. Like, um, I, I saw Ricky in his third match ever in a garage with, uh, with Jojo Bravo. And uh, you could tell from them there was just something different about him. Um, so, yeah, basically, like, he was one of the guys from Anarchy that, um, like, that office at the time was like, oh, it was like they were doing him a favor by giving him matches. He was tagging with um, Kyle Hoff, who I think is, is um, canceled as well or should be if he's not. <laughs> um, and, uh, and it was like, holy shit, there's got to be more that we can do with this fucking guy. So then, of course, we bring him in and start pushing him, and then all of a sudden he gets belted up at the other company. But, uh, but yeah, from, from day one, he was kind of the centerpiece of what we were trying to do. Yeah, you, you put him in that match with Bolt Brady, who was kind of an up-and-comer in the area at that time. And, um, you know, it, it was clear to me from the very first show, I was like, okay, they're, they're going to build around Starks. You, he, you, first of all, you gave him a mic and just let him go, which someone should explain that to Tony Khan, but you gave him a mic and just let him go. And it was rough because, you know, he was a rookie, but the, the potential was obvious. You know what I mean? It was like, okay, when this guy smooths out the rough edges, he's going to be a, a, an excellent promo. And he, and he's actually turned out to be one of the better promos in wrestling. And you had the gimmick where for people who don't know, it was, it, if you know, Ricky Starks now, that's what he was. Then his gimmick was, he was cool. Like that was, you know, he was just the coolest guy in the room. So what you did is you gave him like a table in the corner of the room. And at, what was it? The VIP table or something like that. Where? Yeah. He, he, yeah go ahead. He had the, the VIP section. I had him too. He, um, when I came out and thanked the crowd for coming out to the first show, he came out and interrupted me. So, for, you know, putting myself over on the first show, you know, if I'm going to waste the money, I'm going to get over. But yeah, yeah of course, something I've always tried to play with too. Like when your local audience is always super happy for the guy that's going to blow all their, their life savings to put on the show. It, so you're always a super baby face, no matter what happens. So it's always nice to have heel as fuck with you, you know? Well, at that time, too, uh, quite honestly, you're one of the more recognizable people on the show coming right out of the gate like that. So it kind of makes sense to have this new guy that you want to push to the moon kind of play off you to kind of get over at your expense. So uh, I can totally see where you're coming from. Real, real quick, one, Joe, before you go yeah, to the go next ahead. name, I, I did want to kind of interject there because you, you talk about a Ricky Starks, how you guys kind of took him. You saw him in a garage and, you know, in his third match or whatever and, and took that chance on him. You know, just kind of a quick aside. How fun is that to to and, and I'm sure as you as an indie booker, because we were talking about like the super indies and some people are just content booking, you know, talent that everybody knows and selling a bunch of tickets and, and doing that. But how fun is it as a booker to to see somebody like a Ricky Starks that you saw something in when maybe nobody else did or or you just got in on the ground floor and built that guy up to the point where when he was ready to go, he was, you know, a made for TV star. And we see now, you know, a big part of AEW, very much ready for the big spotlight. And you've done that with several guys. We'll talk about Sammy Guevara, uh, I'm sure at some point uh, uh, as well, where another guy that, again, just kind of, you know, 
somebody was going to maybe see something in him, but maybe somebody wasn't going to see something in him. Maybe it wasn't just going to happen. The same thing could be uh, said for Ricky Starks. Like, how does that make you feel as a booker to, 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 to build somebody up from that ground floor and, and, and get them to that level where now they are, you know, national TV stars. Yeah. Talk people through that. And I think Rich brought up a good one and tell people, cause you brought Sammy Guevara to Austin. So maybe tell the audience where you found Sammy Guevara. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that's, that's the whole appeal of this whole thing. You know, I, you, I, I've got, I'm big in the sports. Um, we all met on a Madden, uh, website. Like I'm, I'm a franchise mode guy. Right. Um, and you, you're not the one out there wrestling. You're not the one in the gym. Like these guys have to do, do their end of it. Right. So it, I don't feel like I ever made anybody. But finding the right people to give those opportunities to, I, I feel like I have like a, a special map for. Um, and, and Ricky definitely took the ball and ran with it. Uh, Sammy, Sammy was a training partner of Amanda Fox. He's always been a pain in the ass between the shows. But like the day of show, he's the biggest sweetheart you'll ever fucking meet. It's always Sammy. It's always from the end of last show to the beginning of the next show. That, that's that's the frustrating part with him. Um, yeah, he was like, I think he was like sixteen and just came down with her and was like doing crazy flips in the ring before the show. And I try not to really book anybody until they turn eighteen. Um, so like, the first time I tried to book him, I was like, I think it was like three weeks out. I was like, hey man, can you come down for this show? And he's like. Oh, that's just really short notice. Uh, I I don't think I can make that. Like, what the fuck? Fuck this kid. So, but, <laughs> you know, so we gave him a chance uh, on the next show. And, and like, you know, I, I think that was, uh, I think Albert saw him shortly after that. And then they had like a 45 minute match that was supposed to be 15. And it just, you know, it just eight, eight, he's, you're talking about ACH. That's ACH, yeah, by the way. When, when I say Albert, yeah. Yeah. And I remember that match. I was at that match and, didn't didn't so ACH and Sammy go way over on their time, and wasn't it Mike Dell who was in the main event that night? And you were afraid you might have a situation. Uh, yeah, Mike Dell, notorious like tough guy, is back there telling me to like go stop the match, and the match is amazing. <laughs> yeah, like, great match. He's te- he's telling me like what the fuck they're over. Uh, go out there and stop. And I I literally thought that he was going to go stop it at one point. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, hopefully Mike won't hear this, but if he does, I'm fucked. Um, I was like, don't worry, I'll chew him out when they get back here. So he's in the ring, and I'm, I'm like, all right, guys, that was fucking amazing, but y'all went way over. If Mike asked, I chewed y'all fucking asses out, okay? It, you know, it's it's 10 years ago. It's I'm 10 sure years he's ago. over it. I'm sure he'll get over it. Uh, <laughs> Maybe I not. Still, he is a wrestler, I, I guess. Am, I'm terrified. Mike Dell's going to knock on my door in three days and be like, motherfucker, I knew. <laughs> You know how those Jersey guys are. Yes, well, that's right. He, he's a Jersey guy. That's oh, right. that explains everything. Yeah, yeah. He was a Jersey guy who moved down to Texas right around the same time I moved down to Texas. So who knows? Maybe me and Mike Dell were. You know, maybe maybe we know where the berries are body. Uh, the bodies are buried up in uh, up in Jersey somewhere. Um, that that's actually bleeds into I think another good talking point um, where you know we all know indie locker rooms are crazy, but. You know, um, yeah, may, maybe I shouldn't be exposing this. Maybe we'll cut it off the the the, uh, the non live version. But you know, you used to book a guy and you used to tell me how he was a great stabilizing force in your locker room. 
and that was Lance Archer. How important is it to have a respected veteran in an indie locker room with a lot of young kids, with a lot of egos, to sort of stabilize things on on show day? It's I can't put it in words how important it is. Like, um, like you got to have that adult in the room sometimes. Um, Like, I used to I worked at a Sonic when I was in high school, right? And uh, I remember one night we were working and like the assistant manager wanted to like deep fry some beetles or some shit. And I had to be the adult that was like, look, like that's a really stupid fucking idea. You're going to deep fry those fucking beetles and then everything else in that fucking fryer is contaminated. So you got to have somebody back there that's going to tell them not to deep fry the beetle, you know? So Lance Archer is the guy who tells people not to deep fry the beetle. (laughs) I love it. There you go. There's the uh, there's the thumbnail right there. That's the clickbait. I love it, uh, Joe. Do you want to go? Did you want to go through a few more of the names on the uh, one, one more? I, yeah. I, I don't I don't want to do um, you know inspire. Where are they now all night? But I I got I got one more because I thought this guy was pretty awesome, and I, maybe he's just one of a thousand names who just disappears. You never hear about him again. And the potential just, uh, you know, it, 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 like a like a wisp in the wind. Eric Shadows, you brought in these guys from, I think it was NWA Revolution or whatever. Well, I'll let you talk through it. This guy, and, and you put him over on the first show. And uh, on another show a couple months later, a guy by the name of Tony Strong from the same area came in. And I thought for sure these guys were the next big things. What happened to these dudes? So, uh, so Eric Shadows, like, that match was uh, Cherry Ramones was in that match too, and he was. It was supposed to be a three way, and they were like, "Hey, this guy drove with us, and he'd be in the match." It's like, yeah, I guess. And Cherry ended up being the one that that worked the most shows for us. Uh, Eric Shadows and his tag team partner, oh uh, God, I can't remember his name. Joe, Joe Dan. Um, they Joe Dan. Got, no, no, no uh, not Joe Dan. Um, oh, downfall. Later on, we tagged Downfall. Yeah, yeah. We tagged them up. And both of them got jobs with UPS and couldn't make Sunday shows anymore. It broke my heart because I love both those kids. Um, super athletic, um, flippy do type guys. And I really had a lot of high hopes for the tag team. But, yeah, they, they both got hired at UPS and couldn't work Sundays for, like, two years. And then, like, by the time um, he hit me up and was like, hey, I, I got a new job. But we really didn't have a spot for him, and he could kind of pass the point where, where he had been active enough to really be on that level. Uh, Tony Strong worked one show for us, and then no showed like three in a row, and that's uh, that'll do I it. After that, <laughs> that'll do it. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that'll make it tough. Uh, so as we're kind of winding down here a little bit. Big picture, and I'm asking you as somebody who's who's obviously been in the mix and, and and been booking indie shows over the last 10 years, what's the biggest difference of booking a wrestling show that you did in 2013 to booking a show that you're going to do here, like beyond uh, Ecstasy of Gold here uh, it, it, next week uh, on July 9th? Like how, how, what has changed and for the better, for the worse? I mean, it, it, I really open-ended. Like what is the biggest change that now you go through that, that maybe you didn't have to go through in 2013 or, or just something that's changed, something that's different about booking a wrestling show? I, I think we're a lot more careful about heat now and, and how we go about it. Um, and I think that's, that's a bad thing. Um, the, you know, the merch table culture type stuff where, 
people take that stuff personally now instead of part of the show. Um, and then some of that's our fault because of how, how closely we tow that line, right? Um, but I, I think the, the old school type of, of heat, and I'm not talking about like, like out of taste stuff. I'm talking about just pro wrestling heat type stuff. Uh, people take in a much different way than they did even 10 years ago. Um, and, and you just have to be really careful about that and it takes some of the tools off. But if you're creative, you can get around, get around it. Um, and just trying to get that, um, that emotional connection. I, I think, you know, we, we kind of joked about some of these guys being canceled or whatever, but I, I think that that kind of purging of a lot of those type of people from the locker rooms and, and a, some of them even surprised us, right? I think has led to a lot more like happy and, and productive locker rooms. So as, as painful as that period was to go through all that, I think now that we're back on the other side and as long as you're in a locker room where they're going to tell the line and, and not let those things seep back in, um, I think has really improved the, the morale and, and how those locker rooms really are. Do you think fans just don't want to be worked anymore? Do you think it's just a matter of fans almost feeling like, okay, we're part of the show. We don't want to be worked in, in those sorts of ways. We don't really want to hate these heels because, you know, we want to chat them up after the show or, or whatever the case may be. Do you think that's it? What, what, what caused the change? Yeah, I, I think it really is. It's that, you know, I'm going to go see all my buddies wrestle, you know, um, is, is sort of the, the attitude for, for a lot of people, not everybody. There's some people that still just come out to have a good time, right? Um, but I, I think they, they kind of, they feel like their friends are, are, uh, pulling one over on them, right? Um, you know, the M word became like, became a dirty word, which it always was. Let's not kid ourselves, but, you know, fans almost became subconscious of it. And, uh, you know, the idea that if you get work that you're somehow lesser, um, is kind of bullshit, you know? And I think, I think that's really where a lot of it came from. You said M word yes, as for in the Mark. Record. Yes, Mark. <laughs> Mark, yes. I yes. wanted to make sure that, uh, Biss, you did not join the list of uncanceled uh, yeah, yeah. wrestlers today. Um, I'm from Central Texas, man. I can't talk all the time. So. M, Mark, yes. Nobody, nobody, yeah. nobody wants to be a Mark. Is what <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, you guys have been through this a few times, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, what, what, and I think one thing that's, and, and it kind of, it, it circles around, like you said, nobody really wanted to get worked. Nobody really wanted, but one thing that I do think, and, and this is why I think I have enjoyed watching regional indies and I, I'm not using regional indies as like a demeaning term more so that like, yeah, you guys aren't chasing the, the, the highest of the highs. You're not chasing the, you know, uh, these things you're trying to, you know, like you said, sell tickets to the Austin, Texas audience. And yes, if people watch on IWTV, that's great. But at the end of the day, you're trying to sell the tickets to people in the, in, in the area is that when you watch these regional indies, you tend to get a little bit more of those crowd reactions that you might not get at uh, a super indie where everybody kind of goes, Oh yeah, I know this guy and I retweet with this guy and I'm going to go check him out at the merch table or whatever, him or her or whatever. Whereas, you know, I, I, Inspire, I think, does a fantastic job with, as I said, like the great Scott. I mentioned him a little bit before. Got great heat. I was watching the Will All Day Great Scott match from, I think that was your show 
uh, two shows ago, right? R- remind me of the name of that show. I forget what it was called. It is on, uh, you're all going to die up there, right? It, it, the name of the yeah. show. And, you know, he comes out and cuts like a 10 minute promo on the crowd. The crowd's getting pissed at this guy. They're getting upset at this guy. And it's like, it's, you know, like you said, it's kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge heat, but it, it's, it's good heat. It's still, I think it's still pretty good heat, especially in 2023. And that's harder to do at a super indie when people don't really want that. I mean, Matt Cardona was able to kind of pull that off and he's a about the only guy that I can remember in the last couple of years, or Ricky Shane Page, I guess, in GCW uh, is another one. But the fact that I can name like two, and that that's probably where my list ends, speaks to a little bit of of like you said, it doesn't feel like that the heel face, the good bad, the 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 you know that that doesn't seem like it's as prevalent. But when you watch regional indies, and when you watch indies that that are still trying to appeal, you know, to the local crowds that does feel a little bit like that still because these are people that they see all the time or that, you know, they, they, they have their local heroes and this is a guy that you can see at the grocery store. Cause he, you know, he lives nearby or whatever. And that, that, that still does have an appeal. I still think wrestling fans do want that. I just don't know if all the wrestling fans know that they, they, I don't know if they know that they want that, but they do. And it makes for a much, much more fun experience. Yeah, it, it definitely helps with, with, um, you know, how invested you are in, in that match and that show and that product and that story, whatever it is, um, to have that emotional reaction to that person, e- even if it's just for those, you know, three to four hours that the show's going on. Right. All right. So let's wrap up with this. I look at your lineup and there's definitely some names here that our audience would be very familiar with Kevin Knight, who you brought up a bunch of times, new Japan, uh, Yuya Uemura is another one. Uh, Gary J mysterious Q is someone else who I think over the last couple of years has come up, uh, on the Texas Indies, who's kind of broke out nationally to some extent, uh, Rachel Rose, who we brought up, who has gotten over tremendously in your promotion. Give our listeners one more, give them somebody who, unless they live in Austin, they probably haven't heard of yet, who you think they should keep an eye on, not just on this show, uh, specifically, but moving forward, give us give us a deep cut off of this card you got coming up on the ninth. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two. I'm gonna give you a tag team. Uh, Stephen Wolf and Exodus Prime uh, Superiority Complex are have been phenomenal for us. Um, Stephen Wolf was at the door of NXT, uh, failed a medical, but that dude has all the tools to to be, you know, at that next level. And Exodus Prime is the guy that AEW uses for their squash matches when they come through. They even gave him a mic last time. Um, you're going to love this, Joe. They were a tag team that, that weren't getting along. Um, ah, great. Yeah. yeah you, well, everything's stolen, right? So yeah. the cool thing here is, you know, I was like, okay, they're going to be Sabu and RVD. And, that, you know, that's, his, that's how bookers think sometimes, I guess. Um, they have made this their own thing. They, they've turned it into a... a a gel tag team now, and, and I think that they have a, a lot going on. Uh, I'm going to sneak another one in. I think Clydef is the best unsigned tag team on the Indies. They're great. Um, I know that they're they're moving around. I, I don't understand why they don't have TV contracts already. Booker T trained um, on all the fucking dark matches for WWE and AEW. Like those guys should be have contracts. I saw Clydef wrestle L Lindemann and T-Hawk in Caldwell, Texas, of all places, population 4,000, my wife's hometown, little Caldwell Community Center, me and about 100 other people. 
Why L. Lindemann and T-Hawk were at that show is still a mystery to me, but they were there. Uh, they got me to buy the ticket, by the way. So so tell tell your boy Carson, if he keeps booking strong hearts, I, I will keep coming to Lions Pride. I don't even know if Lions Pride is still running, to be honest. Yeah, um, they, they got an anniversary coming up as well. There you go. So um, I've been to many Lions Pride shows. In fact, with one of my ex-shoot jobs, I sponsored one. How about that? But um, but yeah, I saw Fly Def wrestle uh, Lindemann and T-Hawk, and this had to be three years ago. Uh, this may have been even pre-pandemic, actually, or maybe a little bit after. Point here is years ago, and they still were able to hang with those two guys, and those two guys are world class. Everybody knows that. So I can only imagine Fly Def must be much better at this point, you know, uh, three, four years on, and they were and they were good then. And Yamada Sun will send the uh, Dragon Gate, Gate talent to anywhere in Texas except for Inspire. So that that's uh, a trend <laughs> there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean I, that doesn't make any sense. I mean you couldn't be nicer to the guy. <laughs> that's true. I don't know, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna, I don't get that. We're one. Get eventually, one of these guys, we're gonna get in. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I can't even come up with a theory. Seems like you guys are great pals. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, <laughs> one more hard push. Give us one more hard push. Get people to buy this thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you've heard us talking about it for the, the last hour here, right? So if you're curious at all from this past hour, give us a chance. Check it out. Um, you, you're going to find something on this show that you enjoy. It, it's, it's a buffet of, of wrestling. Uh, and if you don't like the match you're watching, wait till the next one. I'm sure you'll be hooked there. That's my hard push. My, my promoter button is uh, is tapped. No problem. We'll, we'll, we'll help you out there, too. So, again, Inspire AD, it is beyond Ecstasy of Gold, July 9th. Empire Control Room in Austin, Texas, by the way. If you're local to the area, make sure you go there. Uh, but also, if you are not in the Austin, Texas area and want to watch the show, it is going to stream live on independentwrestling.tv. Uh, Will Allday versus Kevin Knight for the undefinable champion, as we said. Uh, Rachel Rose versus Dimitri uh, uh, Alexandrov. Sorry, I don't know why I got so caught up in that. Uh, Yu Murr versus uh, Daniel Ryan. And as you mentioned, again, uh, some other big names on there. Fly Def versus the Dream Warriors. Uh, Hendrickson Wright. Dingo Institute of Close Combat in a uh, Tornado Tag Match. Danny B versus Killa Kate. Uh, Cam Cole. Gary J. I always love seeing Gary J on there. Uh, Shimbashi and Corey O'Neill. Studstash, Little Evil, and Pistolero versus T. Ray Watford. Mysterious Q and Brick Savage. The Born Hater versus the Camachos. And then Roxy Castillo's Right Hands of Vengeance. That is, of course, going to be the Great Depression, I believe, right? Uh, versus the Superiority Complex as well. So that is beyond Ecstasy of Gold. Uh, July 9th, again, from the Empire Control Room in Austin, Texas, uh, as well as on streaming live on independentwrestling.tv. Uh, Biss, we, we, we hope nothing but great success for, for you and for Inspire moving forward. We'll be watching, uh, and let's let's do this again soon. Let's not wait, you know, eight years or whatever the hell it took us to do this last time. Let, let, let's definitely do it again soon. For sure, guys. Checks in the mail. Damn right. Great. Love it. <laughs> Next time, wire, PayPal works, but checks, you know, check, whatever's bad for you, man. Check, check works fine, too. So, uh, Bis, thank you so much for joining us, and I'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, guys. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each 
one. Now, when I buy slap packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever, but if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards... It sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network there we go justin bissonette uh, again, you can follow him at Biss says on twitter uh, and you can check out inspire ad at inspire after death dot com as well so that is uh there we go there's there's best so um that was great i enjoyed this good I little think that, insights um, i think gary J should throw sean orleans in the car next time get a little dad bod down here in yeah Austin. damn right what do you think that? damn right cool. yeah checks in the mail as well from uh, Sean Orleans. <laughs> I think is yeah. I just saw him in the note of chat room. So yeah, send us a check because we're trying to get you booked, pal. So uh, yeah. there you go. So yeah, I I, I want to do that again soon with, with, with this. I, I think we need to do that more often because it's 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 interesting. And, and I guess this is a good opportunity. We were going to do this last week. Uh, we decided to kind of kick it to this week because we knew we were going to have this conversation with this and, and, and I'm, you know, maybe it works a little bit better here. But uh, AC Mack. Uh, somebody you and I have been very big fans of uh, for, for years and years uh, announced that he was stepping away from professional wrestling. And uh, he is somebody that we, we talked about last year, the, the incredible segment and the incredible match and the incredible moment uh, of him uh, defeating Alex Shelley to win the IWTV uh, championship and cutting a promo about how the American, you know, Southern wrestling and nobody gives enough respect to Southern wrestling and we're here and we're going to dominate and we're going to take over and all that. And it was just a great moment. And we spent, I think we led off a flagship and talked about it for like an hour or whatever. We really just, I mean, I, I, I can't put over how much I love that. And I loved almost everything I saw from AC Mack. I mean, AC Mack was a one of one in terms of being able to cut promos, had a presence, had an it factor. And, you know, seeing him step away, 
you know, a lot of guys step away from wrestling and, and they come and they go and we talked about it as well. There's thousands of indie guys. You can go over any show from two years ago and half the guys aren't wrestling anymore. And that's just the nature of the beast. But this one hit me and I think it hit you particularly hard as well, because I think the fact that AC Mack for as good as he was, the fact that he never seemed to get to any bigger level than than, than where he was was something that was a little disappointing to me and mostly kind of spoke to why I'm so disconnected with the larger independent wrestling scene because I just don't understand how AC Mack isn't like one of the, if not the most popular guy in the indies, and he just never got there. And if you watch the regional indies, he was great there. He was a god to the action wrestling audience. He was a god to the southern wrestling audience, but never really did anything else when he would do the national stuff. He would show up on, you know, Effie's Big Gay Brunch. He would show up on For the Culture, and he'd just be a guy on the card. They wouldn't even give him a mic. He would just be a guy. Here's AC Mack. Okay, here he goes. Then he, he you know, gets pinned and leave. Then it's like, man, that is a guy that how do you not give this guy a mic? How do you not push this guy? How do you not do something with this guy? And I don't know if you kind of had the same thought when you saw that he was stepping away from wrestling. But to me, that's that's a failure of independent wrestling that AC Mack wasn't a bigger deal than he was. And and, and I'm mad about it because that guy is just so goddamn talented. And, and now it's probably over because he's he's stepping away and he's done. And, you know, it's a wrestling retirement. He's probably not gone forever. But still, the fact that that guy isn't the top star in independent wrestling, that pisses me off because he's so fucking great. I mean, probably the best talker on the indies over the last half decade or decade or so. No, right. Yeah. I mean, oh, no, no question. Yeah. A, a legitimate top tier promo, not just for the Indies, but period. He could just talk and, um, you know, and, and his heel promos were great. His baby face promos were great. You talked about the Alex Shelley match and the tremendous post match after he won the uh, title, the independent wrestling title from Alex Shelley. That was where he's in a position to be a big baby face in front of the hometown crowd, bring the title home. They're going to do the big program. With, uh, with, you know, with Beyond Wrestling and sort of the Southern Graps versus the Northeastern Graps. And it kind of ties into what we just talked about with Biss. Fans kind of did not did not want that. I mean, fans didn't want to be worked in that way. And they were getting mad at Drew Cordero for worked tweets, uh, you know, putting down the Southern Wrestling. And it's just it's a different landscape now in indie wrestling where and we've seen it play out time and time again where the fans just they don't want to be worked in that way and you know i I did talk to some people involved in that angle and some people close to ac mac and there were some other issues that got in the way of that angle um but yeah i mean we saw it play out publicly where fans really just kind of rejected that and then as a result a title reign that you and i were very excited about the possibilities of because of how hot that title change was and the hot promo afterwards and everything and the possibility, it just kind of fizzled from there. And he ended up having a very nondescript title reign against a not very exciting list of opponents. Um, And it was a shame. And it's a shame that for whatever the real reasons were that that storyline just never really came to fruition. Um, You know, I, I did learn that, you know, like like what happens with a lot of people, you know, it's not that AC Mac wanted to be the big fish in the smaller pond, um, but he he did have a great shoot job from what I'm told mm-hmm. and or has a great shoot job, which did sometimes get in the way of some bigger opportunities. And, you know, and we just heard Biss talk about two guys, Eric Shadows and Downfall, who he would have been booking, you know, and, and pushing for years, but they they had a great job with UPS, you know, <laughs> right. and benefits and health insurance. And, yeah. yeah. And it's like, sorry, it, man, we're it, not going to make it. Cause I want health insurance. So sorry. Yeah. And I can't work Sunday, you know, and it, that happens at the independent level, you know, and 
then when those guys became free, he just didn't have the spot anymore. And, and you know, um, AC Max, another guy who has a great career outside of wrestling, and, and maybe they get that got in the way a little bit. Um, you know, it, but it's 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 a shame, and and you know, I, I I do from talking to people get the sense that a lot of wrestling retirements. I, I, I think he's going to wrestle again. His last match is in July. Um, someone very close to him said that he probably won't ever wrestle full time again, but put odds of eighty or ninety percent that he'll wrestle again at some point. You know what I mean? So it's not like he's going to disappear. Right. Maybe he thinks he's going to, yeah, this happens a lot with wrestlers too. Maybe AC Mack genuinely believes he's going to, he's done with this. Right. But I mean, you know, he's got a boyfriend who's in wrestling currently and he's, it's not like he's going to be totally removed from the scene. And, and it's hard. Yeah. Know. That's why wrestler retirements don't last very long. Cause it's like you, you got into this scene because you love it. You got into wrestling cause you love it. And it's, you know, it's hard to step away. And then maybe you go to a show and you're like, ah, damn, I want to hear that pop of that crowd again. Or, oh man, I want to be, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's addicting. And that's why these guys do this for as long as they do. And why many wrestling retirements don't last. Cause that, 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 you know, I, I know plenty of guys who, who, and, and people I, I I'm friends with or whatever that have retired, you know, multiple times or said, yeah, I'm done. But you know, every so often somebody calls and they go, ah, yeah, fuck it. I'll go. Yeah. I'll wrestle. You know, they wrestle once or twice a year or a couple times a year. They do a favor for their guy or, or something like that because yeah, it's still, you know, they still love it deep down. They still love it. And, and yeah, you know what? I still got my gear. Hell yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. And we'll do a match. And then, then I won't wrestle again for four more years or whatever. And that's cool. I mean, that that's being able to ha- kind of have that approach to wrestling is, is, is probably pretty uh uh pretty healthy but um but yeah i i I would assume that we are going to see him again but he definitely just feels like a great example of just how like we've talked about over the last you know five six years or whatever it's it's because a guy like that man imagine him 10 years ago all we have to do is talk about when 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 he got booked and and we, we would do this on a wrestlemania preview shows as well the guy would get booked for for the culture shows all the time. The guy would get booked for for big gay brunch, you know, shows all the time. And we would run down the card and I'd be like, oh, my God, it's AC Mack and like a five way scramble match. And then I'd watch the show and he'd come out and he didn't cut a promo. He just walked out to the ring. The bell rang and then he wrestled. And I'm like, that is that is booking malpractice to not give that guy a motherfucking microphone. Like, what are you doing? And I think it just speaks to guys not being. I don't know if people aren't just in on the scenes. I don't know if people aren't just just know. I I just don't get it. I just don't understand. Like I, it, you know, you know, Biss talked about a lot of of the challenge and the fun that he has is 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 building guys up and booking interesting guys and and getting them to that level and getting them ready or whatever. And yeah, I'm. I know that Biss watches a ton of stuff. I know that he researches and goes to shows and is trying to always find whoever the next people on the come up is, or, or a person that's maybe not being utilized as much. Or he watches a show and sees a guy and goes, "I, I can do something with that guy. I can do something." I don't know if a lot of other indie promoters have that same that same oomph, that same vibe, or whatever. And you get it with those national shows where AC Max on the show and you don't give him a microphone. Like that means that means to me that you have you don't know who this guy is. You booked this guy, but you don't know who he is because, like you said. Is he one of the best indie promos of the last you know decade? Yes, absolutely. And you know how many people heard other than if you weren't watching action or sup or Southern Indies or really following that sort of stuff, you had no idea that this guy was as good of a promo. I promise there are people listening to this show that have never once heard AC Mac talk. And that's, you know, that sucks because again, he's one of the best promos on the Indies. And I think that just speaks to, again, like we said, I, I don't know. 
I don't know if a lot of these bookers, I don't know if a lot of modern indie wrestling is, is the students of the game. And this applies to the wrestlers as well. Watching tapes, studying guys, knowing who you're booking, knowing who you're against, learning, trying to get better, trying to improve. Like, I, I don't know that you saw that for a long, long time. And, and, and hopefully we're, we're out of that period and moving forward uh, in, in a better way. And I do think I do see some positive signs and I have seen some positive signs so far in 2023. Look, you, you never know what's going on politically. Um, so, you know, it's, it's sometimes maybe when you have conversations like this, it's possible you're being unfair to people. Mm-hmm. When I saw a guy like AC Mack, who, who rarely ever had a chance to leave the South. And then when it came time for WrestleMania weekend, or it came time for a collective and you see shows where he is tailor made to be featured, like the, for the culture shows or the big gay brunch shows that you mentioned. And then when I look and see that on eight, total for the culture or big gay brunch shows in eight total matches. He worked one singles match ever. It's hard to understand. Again, I I don't want to blame the people booking those shows or because you, again, you never know what's going on politically. I think he did commentary on a few of them. Um, But again, those are the kinds of shows, the high profile shows, these WrestleMania weekend shows, these shows that are designed to highlight wrestlers, right? Um, and 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 it was very frustrating always to not see him get that spotlight for whatever the reasons were, because those could have been the breakout moments. That could have been where an AC Mac, who maybe not the national wrestling fan is necessarily familiar with, someone who buys a ticket who's at WrestleMania weekend, somebody watching the endless streams says, wow, that guy just... I saw that dude on For the Culture. He cut the best promo of the weekend, and he had a a four-and-a-half-star match. You know, And that's how a guy gets made. And that's how a guy gets noticed by promoters around the country and gets booked in other places, and that's how their careers grow. And I just never understood. It was so frustrating um, from from a fan standpoint to never see him featured on those shows. And this is not something new. We've talked about this specific topic before with with him. With him, about him. And and it's like, how come he's not – and again – I don't know what was going on politically, you know, and, and you never do it. And then, you know, and I, you know, so it's like, I, you know, I can't speak to that. I can only speak what we saw on the outside looking in as a fan. And this guy was a top tier promo, but on top of that, he could also go, he could absolutely Great also go. Yeah. You know, it's like I think people talk about his promo ability so much that we forget that he was a pretty great. We, under, wrestler. we underrate his work. We underrate his work for sure. He had, he had a yeah. good look too. I mean, a big six look. one, two hundred pounds, unique good look, look, great gear, good work, good Very promo. Unique yeah, gear. it just all yeah, he, worked. Total package. Yeah, which is why he was pushed so hard in the places that he did work, and why he was so over in the places that he was over in. And another thing that we've always talked about. I mean. You're talking about a gay black man who was over like a hero in the deep South. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a second. Okay. Think about that for a second. And, you know, it's, uh, and also just from, and, and look, you know, maybe I'll misspeak here. Who knows? But my heart's in the right place. When you're talking about representation, you know, you've got, uh, this is an openly gay man. Okay. But it was never, his gimmick. This was not a gay wrestler. This was a wrestler who happened to be gay. Right. And I'm not knocking ra- gay wrestlers who use that as a gimmick. That's been part of pro wrestling's fabric for decades in Mexico. It's part of the culture with, with the exoticos uh, here. There's obviously 
been an incredible boom in in queer wrestling, especially in the Northeast and all that. I'm not knocking any of the people who use that as part of their gimmick. Of course not. But I but but, you know, so I want to be clear, but there he's also but this is also someone who provides representation in a different way where it's just an openly gay man who is who who's a wrestler who happens to also be gay. And I'm not saying he was even unique in that respect. You have Fred Rosser. You have um, uh, um, uh, the, the acclaimed. Um, uh, um, oh, Anthony Bowens. Anthony Bowens. Anthony Bowens is another obvious one on national TV. Which, by uh, the way, so, I just, you know, and, and he tweeted out about this as well at Rampage last week. And, and he talked about how cool of a moment it was that they did the Harley Cameron, you know, uh, uh, thing. And she, yeah, you know, yeah. she's like, oh, I think you're attracted to me or whatever. And he had to stop. And he's like, ah, no, I'm gay. And then. The crowd explodes and goes, he's gay, he's gay. And he, and he said it was like, man, I never did I think that I'd be in the ring and I'd have, you know, 8,000 people chanting he's gay in a positive way. Everyone going, yeah, you know right. what I mean? Like how awesome that was. And you could see it in his eyes as he like looked around and was like, holy shit, man. Like, look at where we've gotten in this world that I am now can do that as a part of my face gimmick to say I'm gay, where we had how many times of, you know, Queewee and WCW where their gimmick was they're gay, boo them. You know what I mean? Like, that's, you know, well done was essentially the same thing of like, look at, uh, boo them. You know, how many times in wrestling history was that? And that's the, ex- you know, it, it's pretty cool that now in 2023, Bowens could say I'm gay. And that's like they, the face thing and the crowd explodes and chants for, for, for how gay he is and how awesome that is. Like, that's cool. It's cool. You know, he absolutely. And, and, you know, and again, I, I, I just think it's remarkable in the deep South that someone like that gets over as a massive baby face, you know, and that that's, that's incredible. And, and that's, you know, some loss of some representation there too. When you talk about a guy like that stepping away. So there's that aspect to it as well. So, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a loss, obviously a huge loss to the Southern independent scene. And, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to come across angry that, you know, he never really broke out of that area of the country. But anger is not the right word. Probably frustrating is a better word. You know, it's just frustrating that someone that talented. Um, then he, he just slipped through the cracks. He just kind of slipped through the cracks. And it's just like that. a guy like that just shouldn't you know what i mean it, it just, you know what there's probably a lot of people like that though yeah and that's you know, what i mean and, and that's i, I want to get to that with, with with this a little bit but obviously we ran out of time but like you know him seeing ricky starks in that garage and saying you know yeah screw it let's book ricky starks or whatever a lot of indie promoters just wouldn't do that you know what i mean they're 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 so worried about selling every last ticket and getting every last retweet and getting every last like that how many people have slipped through the cracks that just don't get those opportunities don't get those chances because now the we're, we're full you know now the card's full uh, of all this flying town, and then we have three of our local guys, and they're all going to lose. And and no, sorry, like there are probably a ton of guys out there that have so much potential, and so and that that to me would be the fun of booking independent wrestling is I'm going to make I'm going to find guys, make guys, and I hope that they graduate to the next level. I hope that when when I'm done with them, they're ready to get signed by NXT, and they're ready to get signed by WWE, they're ready to get signed by AEW, they're ready to go to New Japan. Like that would be the coolest thing for me, and it it it's it's kind of. I don't know if that's like frustrating is the right word or just like you said, it's just kind of disappointing that it doesn't feel like a lot of other promoters have that same vibe. And it's like, yeah, let's just kind of do do the thing that we're supposed to do and then we'll do it. And then next month we'll do it again. And then, you know, so on and so forth. And we'll just keep doing that where, yeah, to me, it'd be the most fun thing in the world to to walk around and go to a show that's got five people at it and go, man, that dude that's in the ring right there. I'm going to I'm going to do something with that guy and then book him. And then, yeah, who knows? 
you could make a Ricky Starks, you can make a Sammy Guevara, you can make, you know, those, those sort of guys. And, 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 you know, that, that to me would be the, the most fun part about indie wrestling, but I'm not sure that everybody else, you know, quite sees it that way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, everyone should seek out some AC Mack. I mean, he was, that, that was a special kind of talent, you know? And, um, yeah, and it's, it's, it's frustrating that the opportunities weren't there for something a little bit bigger. I really thought that that program, that that, you know, was going to be the one that was going to launch him. But, you know, the, the North versus South thing, but fell apart for a variety of reasons. Uh, wrong time, you know, maybe 10, 15 years earlier, something like that really would have riled up both fan bases and they would uh, they would just allow themselves to be worked or play along or suspend their disbelief, whatever it is. But uh, it's just it, it, it's it's wrong for today's wrestling. You just you heard Biss talk about it. That's not how people want to approach pro wrestling anymore. And I wish that they did. I think it was, I think it was better. It'd be a lot more fun if if they did. Yeah. Suspend our disbelief and, 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 you know, get wrapped up in a story. But, um, you know, times change, things evolve. But uh, uh, AC Mac that uh, the match uh, against Alex Shelley was January 21st, 2022 action IWTV Southeast first AC Mac versus Alex Shelley. You can find that on uh, IWTV. Uh, Fairly to find that pretty easily. Also, we had a match with Mike Bailey uh, last year that I remember watching. It was on the uh, one of the arch- uncharted territories. Yeah. Southeast first uncharted territory. Number four, I believe. Uh, June 6, 2022, AC Mack versus Mike Bailey. I remember really, really enjoying that match as well. So if you're trying to dabble, the absolute must-watch is the Alex Shelley match. Watch watch the beginning, watch the entrances, watch the match, and then watch the post-match promo if you want to really get an idea of just what this guy was capable of um, and, and, and go down for sure um, to check that out. But uh, I think... Um, I think that AC Max show is taking place in Naptown Wrestling, right? And that's why I mentioned them a little bit earlier. I, I, I like a lot of what they've done. I've watched a lot of their stuff uh, on IWTV and, and and really enjoyed it. So if that's where it, if that's what I think it's where it's taking place, let me find out. Um, definitely a place to go check out if you're if you're in the area or or watch them on IWTV too. I think they have a good a good vibe about them. Yeah. So uh, what what show did you go to a couple weeks ago? Did you do that the week I was gone or no? I went to um, what the hell shows did I go to? No, I don't think I went to what show did I go to? I went to an AEW show a couple weeks ago, but did you covered that already. Yeah, yeah, I covered that. Okay. I well, for I any gone. indie, any indie stuff. Well, I did do a, I did do a whole segment about the turmoil going on in. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> Chicago. I, yeah, wrestling. that's a mess. So yeah, yeah that is uh, I- I- indeed a mess. But uh, yeah, no, so, some other indie stuff. You know, like I said, one thing that I've really enjoyed doing. Uh, in 2023 is is breaking away from watching too many of the prestige like we talked about GCW like I'm not I'm not going through and watching GCW I, I'm done I'm done watching GCW I'm not going to get what I want out of it it's fine uh, a lot of the other kind of big time you know super indie I'm not really watching many of those I just go to IWTV man and and like I'll just click a you know New Texas Pro like that, that we mentioned them a little bit earlier they're a company that I like and enjoy a lot West Coast Pro Wrestling I think is doing some interesting stuff. Uh, right now as well. Action, I, I, I make sure to not miss an action show. I think they're doing really, really cool stuff uh, as well. And I mentioned Naptown. Uh, I've watched a little bit. Now, we don't talk about those on the show all that much. Maybe we should you know, start doing it a little bit more, dabbling a little bit more in it. But um, yeah, that, that's my recommendation if you feel like you're kind of disconnected from, from the indies right now is that there's a lot of good stuff going on, but a lot of it is regional. A lot of it is not people that are trying to break out into the, you know, the lexicon of, of, of 
you know, casual wrestling fans or whatever. They're just trying to kind of do their thing in the region and, 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 and go from there. And, and, you know, in the Chicago area, Dreamwave has come back and they have kind of went super indie as well, but in a way that like they're doing insane business. I mean, they are selling shows out left and right uh, in LaSalle, Illinois, just outside of, you know, just outside about an hour and a half away from Chicago or whatever, doing insane business. And they're, uh, they got a double shot coming up in August as well. And I think tickets are, are basically sold out for. And when I went to the show uh, a couple of months ago, like it was fire hazard level standing room only. Like there, there was no way they were packing them in at the absolute limit. So indie wrestling is, I mean, regionally it's, it's doing well. Uh, it's just, yeah, I don't know. You know, the, the big picture stuff we just don't talk about on the show anymore. Cause it just has no appeal to me whatsoever. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought, I think it was good to do, to really do a long indie segment because we really haven't done that in a while. So, um, I feel good about that. I feel like sometimes with AEW and WWE, it takes up so much real estate on the show that sometimes we get away yeah. from talking about other things. And and what this show always was, was a show where we talk about it, where we try to talk about everything, at least anything that's interesting that's going on in pro wrestling. So uh, it kind of felt good this week here to stretch our legs a little bit and and talk some indie wrestling and i think what we should probably do is what we used to do well, you know when we're watching indie shows that 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 get us interested and in, and in, and or if we go to shows that we should probably carve out some time and 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 start doing that again um it just gets tricky sometimes with the amount of time but i have to tell you like i'll repeat what i said at the top i have never been less interested in wwe i mean i'm not even hate watching it anymore i just I don't have any interest. So, you know, I know there's some things when it comes to that company that demand to be discussed and there always will be. But um, I thought it was nice to look at a run sheet and see some indie wrestling mm-hmm. and see some Dragon Gate and, you know, some of these topics that why don't we just do the you want to just do the Dragon Gate right now? Yeah, let, let, let's do that. Yeah, it's classic, classic 2014 show. Biss is on it. We're talking indies and we're talking Dragon Gate, baby. We're talking Kobe World uh, coming up this weekend, July 2nd from Kobe Sambo Hall uh, live on the Dragon Gate Network. And I can say confidently, very confidently, nobody has got this show more ready for you. Nobody has covered the show more than we have at VoicesOfWrestling.com. There are two episodes of Open the Voice Gate to help get you ready for the show. Uh, one that's uh, just Mike and Case from Open the Voice Gate uh, uh, previewing the show, and then also an interview uh, with Dragon Gate's English announcer Jay uh, that goes into a lot of topics. It's not just a a a, a Kobe World uh, preview. It's it's a deep discussion about the state of Japanese wrestling, which was not great, by the way, <laughs> not doing very good. Uh, if you want that, that's big picture stuff there with Jay, who's, who's there. He's in Japan. He works for a company. He knows what's going on. So if you're interested in the business of wrestling, particularly the business of Japanese wrestling, uh, uh, Jay does a great job on that show uh, talking about that, as well as, you know, kind of plugging something that Dragon Gate has done recently, which I really, really think is awesome. I don't know if you've checked any of these out yet, Joe. Uh, they're going through classic Dragon Gate matches, and Jay is kind of reannouncing them. He, he It's him. It's Oholun. And then it's they're grabbing, you know, uh, another wrestler. Genki Horiguchi was on one of them and they're grabbing a wrestler and talking to him a little bit about the match and then, you know, doing play by play and also giving you background about these matches and going through classic, classic, you know, Dragon Gate matches. So it's on their YouTube channel uh, as well as the Dragon Gate uh, Network, which I highly recommend those. I've already watched a few and they're, they're really, really good. Uh, and then we have a written preview as well uh, from Liam Byrne. Uh, on voices of wrestling.com as well. So I, I am confident nobody has gotten you ready uh, for Kobe world 
uh, like we have here. Let's get you ready even more here as we talk about it here on the flagship. Uh, the main event, the big one that we're going to be talking about here, five-way steel cage survival match, Dragon Kid, Ultimo Dragon, Diamante, Shun Skywalker, and Strong Machine J, but there is a different twist on this one. All those men are masked, but after the end of this match, one of them will lose their mask. So they will climb to the top of the cage where a mask of theirs is up on the top of the cage. They will grab that mask and now they are good. They can leave until there is one man left who can't climb up and can't get his mask and much must reveal and unmask finally. So it's Dragon Kid, Ultimo Dragon 2, just legends of Dragon Gate, Diamante, Shun Skywalker, one of the biggest stars in Dragon Gate, and Strong Machine J, one of their young stars uh, as well. So there's... I think only one possible way that this ends, but I guess, you know, maybe really, I, I, I think so. I, where, where are you at with this? I see three possibilities. I think I would be floored, absolutely stunned if Ultimo Dragon or Dragon Kid lost their mask. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, what if, but so I think, ultimately, here's what, here's what we can do, though. Ultimo takes his mask off and Stephanie McMahon, who's got she's not doing anything as far as I that's know. True. That's true. She could true. be his, his manager. Yeah. Book Steph. Bring her in. She, yeah. she was famously people, thought he was very handsome yes. yeah if you don't know the lore she wanted to bone him so um and thought he shouldn't be wearing a mask but uh yeah i don't think those two are losing but i think you can put odds on any of the other three uh, you can make a case for any of the other three diamante is just the workhorse of the roster and i don't know if he's somebody now there's there's arguments against the other three losing as well i don't know if he's somebody who you i don't know his mindset yeah, I don't know if he feels like, you know, as his career progresses and moves along, if he could have a big money mask match someday somewhere and maybe, you know, not sacrifice that for the now. Or maybe he thinks, you know, I'm doing great in this company. I'm, I'm one of their, uh, you know, backbone workhorses. And maybe if I take this mask off, it can freshen me up and I can keep moving up this card. I've been told you know, so he's pretty handsome too. Uh, for people that know that say he, he's a pretty handsome dude, so they could, which they matters want, if yeah. they want to pull it off. He's a guy that you could do it with. Yeah, that's definitely a factor. You know, a lot of times you want to keep the mask on these guys because they're not so good looking and they're more marketable with the mask. Uh, we just had a guest who told us they put a mask on somebody because they weren't marketable and and they and then they got a ten year gimmick out of it. So uh, as far as Shun goes, I could easily see that. You know, I mean. Um, you know, it, 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 it wouldn't feel like a shock to me if he lost and strong machine J has really come on over the last 12 to 18 months. You know, what, since he's come back from the injury, really, yeah, yeah. um, whenever that injury was and has really, to me, excelled as, and, and, and improved as a worker. I've always liked him. Remember he was green as grass when they brought him in. New Japan wasn't interested he ends up with Dragon Gate. They do the 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 machines gimmick with the with the Triangle Gate titles to get him over. I don't know what happened to those other two guys. They just dropped off the planet. I know, yeah. But um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know sense. what's up with Strong Machine G and Strong Machine. Uh, <laughs> who the other one? D or F? Uh, F F F. Yeah, I don't, um, know that, I don't know what that guy's doing at all. I hate to ruin Christmas. I gave you both initials there, but <laughs> um, so uh, no. But Strong Machine J, you know, it's like. He's a guy who they got his toes wet with that. And then he had the injury or had to go in for repairs, as Jay likes to say. Right, need to get an oil uh, change and yeah, going for repairs. Yeah. And I mean, he's someone who I think a refresh could really help him, too. But the, 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 the argument against him, of course, is the legacy of that mask. And right, you know, right. That, that's, so, that's my argument against him is that you kind of which I guess could go hand in hand. 
you break that legacy. You break the legacy of Strong Machine in a sense. Like you could still, I mean, he could still be Strong Machine, but like, you know, is that maybe a good thing to say? All right, well, let's maybe chart your own path here a little bit instead of just being, uh, you know, a, a, a an homage to a gimmick that most of our fans, you know, don't really remember a guy from 30 years ago or whatever. It, maybe it's a good opportunity to break him away from that a little bit. But with that said, that that's kind of what his thing has been so far. So that, that, that's a tough one. That 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 is one of the hardest ones to make. Like Shun, I could buy. If you want to tell me it's time to unmatch Shun Skywalker and get him to the next level, I could buy that because maybe there's a limit to how marketable he could be as a mask guy. That's fine. Diamante, same way. Like It's like, all right, if this guy's handsome and you're ready to kind of go the next level with him, this is a great opportunity for him. So I could see the pros and cons of both those guys. Um, more, probably more pros th- on, on each of those guys. Like I, I have no problem with Shun Skywalker losing his mask and I have absolutely zero problem with Diamante. Strong Machine is the one where I, 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 I think there's a chance, but I also, I, that's a tough decision to make because you could really affect a lot of what makes him him if, if you do that. Well, it's going to be fun and good no matter what way they go because there's not an obvious loser here like there often is when they do these sorts of stipulations in either Mexico or some, you know, the thing about Dragon Gate is whenever they would do the dead or alive cages and the stips would be the hair or the mask, I would pick Cyber Kong every fucking time and he never lost, like he would, ne- that, he would never lose. Like I always thought it was, oh, it's Cyber Kong. He can, you know, and it, it would always be someone else. So I'm terrible at picking these, uh, but I don't think I'm going to get this one wrong when I say, I don't think there's any chance it's going to be Ultimo Dragon or Dragon Kid. Those two would legitimately shock me. I would as much have as a heart anything. attack if Ultimo Dragon unmasked in the middle of that cage. On that, it, I mean, yeah. I would be stunning if Ultimo did. The, the other three, though, now, okay, now you said there's only one possibility. So who do you think you uh, must? Diamante. To me, I'm pretty locked in on Diamante. Okay. I, I could, I could be sold on Shun. I could be, I could listen to Shun, but I'm pretty. I'd probably bet the house on Diamante. Yeah, I'd probably make him the favorite. I'd probably make him the favorite, but um, neither of the other two would 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 really su- even surprise me. Honestly, I th- I think any of the three could. But uh, yeah, I would make Diamante the favorite. Um, uh, open the dream gates. If you're uh, anything more on the cage. No, I'm done with the cage. Uh, open the Dream Gates. This is an interesting thing here. That this is the semi-main event here. The Open the Dream Gates uh, uh, title match. It's uh, Madoka Kakuda, uh, the current champion, versus Yuki Yoshioka, the the former champion. Uh, so a bit of a rematch here. And the build. I don't know if you've been kind of following Dragon Gate as of late. The build has kind of just not been anything. They kind of said, "Hey, these guys are going to face each other," and then they've just kind of had a bunch of weird, you know, n- not necessarily real hot angles or hot shows. It was just kind of like, "Hey, these guys are going to face each other. They're generational stars." And uh, yeah. There it is. And and that's sometimes that's okay and sometimes that's fine, but uh it does it doesn't feel like a super hot match in the same way that an open the Dreamgate title match at Kobe World usually does feel. It it's just kinda this guy and this guy are gonna face each other, and it's a big spot. I Jay put it bluntly, like these guys gotta go out here and deliver. I mean, they they have to think that it's a slight that they're in the semi main event and they basically need to go out there and prove to the entire world like we're we're the we're the next generation. Kakuda did that big promo uh, after Dead or Alive, listed all the people that are the next generation, declared that generation begins now, you got all that sort of stuff. Well, like and Jay put it bluntly, like, yeah, now it's time to do it. Like all right, fucking deliver now. You, you made that big proclamation. You're you're the champion. You're the next generation. Let's go. Let's do it. Prove it. Let's see it. I mean, it's Kobe world. You got to bring your best. You got to bring your yeah, best here. They got to deliver. But 
it's not i don't think now look you say the match hasn't been built well i don't think the show has been built they haven't had a they haven't had like a show in in weeks yeah like, they've had like they, random house shows but if you're watching on the dragon gate network or whatever you've basically those aren't shows anything. that are yeah. consequence not, right, they right. haven't had shows of consequence in a long time which is very bizarre the other thing is that because i think they're relying on three things to draw for this show number one ultimo dragon putting his mask up yep. number two Hiromu was on the show versus yamato and number three, Shingo is coming back to Dragon Gate. He's not wrestling on the show. Maybe. Um, maybe. We'll get to that. Yeah. But, I mean, I think they're relying on those three things to draw the house. Because they, they this has not been, like, a, a, a well-booked show. Or, at minimum, this hasn't had a classic build. You know, Dragon Gate typically does a great job building their big shows. They've kind of just been off the radar with this, running little house shows and fucking villages and shit. They're not – they haven't run – big shows in the run-up to this. So um, from that standpoint, you know, I don't think Kakuta Yoshioka is being counted on as one of the major drawing matches, which is weird because it's a Dreamgate match. And the fact of the matter is Kakuta should not lose this match. No, no I no, think no. it would I be agree. a massive, massive mistake to beat him this quickly and go and go with, uh, go back to Yoshioka. Here. That'd be a mistake. So I don't think there's a lot of drama tied to this result. And quite honestly, I don't, it's at best, at best, the being generous, the third most interesting thing on the show as the Dreamgate match. So, um, you know, I do, but like you said, I do think they need to go out there and have a killer match, you know, and, and that's important. You know, I'm not the biggest Yoshioka guy. Okay. So I'm kind of coming in. For me, anyway, that I'm coming in behind the eight ball already because that guy, I think, just as he's charismaless to me, I don't, I can't, he doesn't connect with me at all. So, um, to impress me, they're going to have to actually have twice the good amount as it's going to take to impress everybody else. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I want Kakuda to have a nice title reign here. You know, a lot of the recent Dreamgate title reigns, let's face it, it's been spotty, Rich. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These haven't been. You know, even your most ardent Dragon Gate fans, I think, would agree with me there that some of the recent Dreamgate title reigns have not been great. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You're trying younger wrestlers. They're not all going to land. You're coming off, you know, you had the pandemic, which was a fucking disaster. You're coming off the pandemic and trying to get fans back in these buildings, which isn't easy. You're trying to get these young wrestlers over with, with you know, fans coming out of a pandemic, which isn't easy. That's why I see somebody like Hiromu here, Okay. Hiromu does his all-star festival. Books all, you know, this is what I talked about a few weeks ago. It's, it's payback time. You know, they, they, all these promotions, they're doing favors for each other to try to, you know, the, what, the fucking rising sea rises all boats, whatever the fuck that phrase is. That's what we're trying here. Okay? So, you know, Hiromu will come in and work, but he's beating Yamato. I mean, we all know that. He's not losing. He's the New Japan junior champion. Oh, yeah. He, okay? he ain't losing this match. Yamato is, is is doesn't fucking matter whether he loses or not anyway as this veteran guy, but that's kind of the rub, you know. It's like, all right, we'll send our guy, but he's way, he's going over, you know. And then maybe you can have an angle coming out of that or something. I don't know, you know. And then Shingo is going to be there, and we got a giant fucking question mark sitting there for Ichikawa, which everyone seems to think will be Shingo, and that makes the most sense because Ichikawa is doing his uh his match series or whatever. And this is the next match in the series. And it's a mystery opponent. 
wasn't the last one Muto? Yeah. Wasn't Muto the? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this would make a lot of sense with with Shingo coming back. I mean, that makes all the sense in the world for this one to be. He's going to be in the building anyway. And it's not even really a match. It's more of an angle. He's yeah, going to hit a fucking in, hits a pumping, pumping bomber, bomber yeah, and that's going to be that. <laughs> last dragon and, and then one, two, three, over. Yeah. Right. He might not even bother with the last thing. He might just, <laughs> he might just bump and bomber, bomber him a couple times. Yeah. You know? And and that might be that. <laughs> but that's the draw for the those are the three things that they're counting on the draw for this show. And I want them to do well. Um and and we'll see. I mean, the the card, it looks like a nice looking card. I'm looking forward to it. And I there's a lot of intrigue to me in that in the mask match. And I also, you know, I want to see Hiromu and Yamato interact in a Dragon Gate setting. I think that's interesting to me as well. And then um, I think some of the results of the other title matches are up in the air. I mean, I'm not as locked in on the Dragon Gate booking as I used to be, but I'm not completely disconnected from it. And, I, I you know, I don't see any other 100% results here. No, it, it's actually a pretty interesting card. I mean, for, for you know, I, I as well am not like fully in, in, in line with Dragon Gate right now and fully there. But I, I think it's a really, really fun card. You know, you talk about the uh, Triangle Gate match, uh, Big Boss Shimizu, uh, Jackie Funky Kame and, and, and KZ of Natural Vibes uh, versus Gold Class, which I've really liked Gold Class in everything that I've seen so far of them this year. It's Kota Minora, uh, Minorita and Naruki Doi uh, coming in. Obviously, Doi, you know, it, it freelance now, so pops in and out uh, as he, you know. Still works, you know, a lot of Dragon Gate stuff, but but takes some other bookings as well. So that, that's kind of what freelance means in Japan, by the way. Uh, Yamato versus Hiromu, uh, as you mentioned there. Uh, open the Twin Gate. I'm really interested in this one as well. It's 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 mo- it's Susumu Mochizuki uh, and Yushikondo uh, M3K defending against Ben K and BB Hulk. And Ben K, I think he's got to be that next guy that that little by little you've seen it with Ben K. And obviously he was the dude uh, many, many years ago. I think he was one of the pandemic champions and, and it kind of fell off. And then he's just kind of been trying to build himself back up and build himself back up a little bit. But but he's a guy that, you know, I, I, I think is ready to to get back to that top top tier level and I hope he does. I'm a huge huge fan of him and and, and just think that he's got all the potential in the world. And BB Hulk's a guy who I've been very down on over the last couple of years, but I don't know what's happened, but in the last year he got himself healthy. I don't know what it is, but his work's been pretty damn good and I have never been a big BB Hulk guy. Uh but I I, I do think that his work this year has been has been solid as hell. So uh, that no, is a chance ben, to be a really good match. Ben has really found his charisma. You can't take your eyes off him now. No, he's, no, no. you know, I never thought he'd be that kind of, you know, but he's, he's found it. And, um, you know, I think if he gets another shot with the dream gate, um, I think it'll go much better than the first time around for a variety of reasons. He's almost a completely different persona. He is a completely different persona at this point. So, um, yeah, he's a guy who, um, has, has totally uh, reinvented himself in, in the right way. Did, did you uh, did you listen to the podcast with Jay and, and, and the discussion they had about Ben K or no, did you not get to that part? I'm still working my way through it. It's three hours. Yes, so, it's, a, um, it's a long show. Well, he mentions at one point because uh, Case and Mike were asking him about Ben K because apparently Ben K was living in like the Drangate Dojo up until like a couple of months ago, even though he graduated like what? years ago. He's yeah. like 30. I know the guys, they're like, what? He was still there. And Jay's like, yeah, uh, it was weird. And they were just kind of like, all right, dude, there's no room. You have to go now. And they said that it was hilarious. His room was a bed and a TV. And that was, it, it just had a bed and a big TV. And that's hey, all listen, he had, which is that's perfect. A simple man. I was yeah. like, uh, what more do you need? He's got weights. He's got a TV. He's got a bed. He's good, man. He's good. Give me the, give me the MLB extra innings package. <laughs> I'm sure I he had it. Either. Yeah. I'm sure. 
I just love this idea of Ben K is 30 year old in here with all these trainees, you know, they're doing those neck stretches and stuff. (laughs) He's just sitting there eating, you know, eating the soup being like, Hey, what's going on guys? Yeah. <laughs> How you guys doing? How's it going? Yeah. What are you doing today? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. All right. You know how like, many classes have come through since <laughs> right, he was there too? Right. It's so incredible. Yeah. It's a great story. Like, did they not have the heart to tell him like, all right, like when you graduate, you kind of, yeah, you go, <laughs> you, you, you don't have to stay here. You can go somewhere else. But, uh, Ben K. How about know. Masato Yoshino getting mixed up in the period scheme and he's dead broke. <laughs> That was, I, that's sad. I mean, what's going on there? Great. Yeah, that, that is a uh, uh, for more detail on that, the, the, the podcast that Jay talks about it. But yeah, the Yoshino thing is 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 pretty heartbreaking. And essentially, they're, I mean, they're, he can't wrestle. Right. He can't wrestle. He's, you know, and, and he, he got mixed up in some financial scheme or something. And, um, you know, and apparently it's not any kind of secret. He talks about it like on fucking social media or whatever the fuck YouTube or whatever it is. Man, that's uh, that's not good. No, yeah, that um, was that was a very sad part of that show. I was like, oh Jesus Christ, yeah, this guy with his back's shot, he can't wrestle, and now he's got no money. It's like, okay, great. I, there's another wrestler who's in a similar state that I'm not. I I it's not my place to discuss it, and it, it's just you know you hear stories like that, and it's like, man, you know, it's uh, yeah, it, it's 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 sad. You know, and and the thing about him is, is unlike a lot of guys, he can't just come back because of his injuries. Right. He did the retirement thing, but he did the retirement thing because his back was fucking shot. So he's he's done. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. So. So there you go. Uh, Don Fuji, Suji Kondo, Kano. Yes, it's Don Fuji and Suji Kondo versus Kano and Masachi Mochizuki. Now, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll loop a little bit of no in here. Did you see that Kano has 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 disbanded Congo? Congo is no more. Yes. yes. What, I was do you, what do you make would, of that? What do you make of that? It's just time. I mean, you know, it's it's you can't keep these things together forever. But he's cutting a lot of weird promos. Like, you know, now it's time for me. It's been time for, you know, he, he cut some promos in, in the vein of, you know, it was about, Noah and then it was about Congo and now it's time for me and mm-hmm. I don't know if that's him just cutting a wrestling promo it's hard enough to tell in your own native language and then you're getting translated promos things get, get a little tricky yeah yeah yeah. but um but it, it's you know it's something to keep an eye on you know but again it's it's hard to ascertain things right now because as I talked about before all of these promotions are trying to help each other everyone's out. scratching each other's back to try to you know, sell New some Japan, fucking tickets New Japan's doing reasonably well but even New Japan isn't doing all that great you know, you, you know, their last show with, you know, I talked about that. I didn't think that was a great attendance, um, but all these other promotions are really struggling. They're really going through it. And the Corkins haven't come back yet. And, you know, and it's funny because I don't even think, and even when it comes to new Japan, I, I, I really don't think you can blame uh, COVID hesitancy or, or things like that, because I, somebody sent me an article about how Japanese baseball is all the way back. Packed buildings every night. The attendance is back to the pre-pandemic levels. So I don't know. I don't think wrestling gets the same excuse. I think when it comes to wrestling, it's just it's the kind of thing where when people go without it, they forget about they it. And it's harder to get them yeah, back. Those fans just left. And, you know? and Jay kind of talked about that too. He's like, we're, we're we keep trying to like get those people back, and it might be time to 
just say those people might be gone. They may have just yeah. gotten, yeah. They, they do new things. They, they don't care about wrestling anymore. They broke from it. They got out of the cycle and they're just, they're not hopping back on. Everybody thought you'd, you'd turn the switch and it'd be okay. Now everybody can come back and they just haven't. And yeah, nobody's I quite mean, sure how or why or what the hell you're going to have to do about it. To, 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 but it's, it's, it's a big, and again, that's why that episode, I, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, the, 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 the interview with Jay is, you know, the big picture things of like, yeah, a lot of these companies thought, okay, cool. Restrictions are gone. Let's turn that light switch on and let's go. And then they did. And the people haven't come back yet. And it's like, oh, okay. Well now what? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's just, um, it's, you know, new Japan is doing reasonably well, but you know, they're very hit or miss even with their shows and we'll see how the G1 does, you know, that that's going to be a big one, but new Japan also is taking this time to give a genuine effort into elevating new people, which I think it's a good time to try that. Right. And because you're not going to be killing business that's red hot by trying to get new people over because business isn't so hot now anyway, but the, the gulf between new Japan and everybody else, even with new Japan kind of being like, eh, from a business standpoint is, is enormous. These other promotions are, are, are really, really going. Look at some of these Corican numbers and for big matches too, you know, um, it, it's, uh, and, and that's why you're seeing a lot of these wrestlers working, you know, and all these promotions trying to help each other out. Everyone's just, just trying to sell some tickets, man, whether it's a hundred tickets or 200, just trying to sell tickets and scratching yeah. each other's backs. And we'll give you this guy. If you give us this guy and you come here and you, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. When you see this stuff happen, it's not because the business is thriving. When the business is thriving, everyone's kind of in their own little silos, doing their own little things and selling all their own tickets. Uh, when the business is not good, like, Go back and look at a lot of cards from, you know, 2003 to 2006 or whatever. Yeah, look historically. Yeah. yeah. A lot of those shows had a lot of people from a lot of different promotions on all these shows. And it's like, well, hey, what's that guy doing there? And what's that guy? Well, selling, trying to sell some fucking tickets, you know, trying to trying to get this thing back on track is is, is what's going on. Um, well, you need marketable stars. It really always comes back to that. Yeah. OK. And no offense to Jake Lee. You know, no. why do you think? um all Japan has turned to Yuji Nagata because he's a recognizable top star. They're trying anything. Okay. And the idea being, well, then, you know, at the end of this, Yuji Nagata will put somebody over. Maybe it was going to be Shotaro Ashino. I don't know. Maybe, you know, it's going to be somebody else. You know, maybe Yuma Anzai taking probably him. Probably Anzai. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, I, you know, can, can you keep it on the gutter that long for when Anzai is ready? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if you can. New Japan might be like, hey, listen, we need this guy. You know, I know he's not exactly working top of the card, but he still has a job and responsibilities. That, so how long can you keep a guy like that around? You know, and you see with Dragon Gate, you know, trying, you know, that promo, Kukuda's promo with the new six, the new big six. You know, they, 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 these promotions have to fight. Listen. It's the, always the same story. Whenever wrestling is in a down cycle or a promotion is struggling, you have to find a way to get somebody hot and identify those hot new stars. And that's what everyone is going through now, including New Japan, who are, who are, are working real hard to elevate new people during this period. Uh, elsewhere on the show, real quickly, uh, Jason Lee versus Ishin uh, as the Open the Brave Gate title match. Uh, Kajitora. Uh, Nohashi uh, and UT versus Dragon Daya uh, Eita uh, La Australia uh, Mochizuki Jr. Uh, Tanaka versus the Zebra Tio and, and Kai and then just yeah your your 
everybody else on the show. Your Genki Horiguchi. That's, that's the pre-show match. These, yeah, yeah the, the 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 which is funny. Kai is in the pre-show match, which is kind of I think he was in like a a major spot uh, earlier. And then the other pre-show match is your Genki Horiguchi, Ho Ho Loon, uh, Punch Tamanaga versus Problem Dragon, Sachioka Boy, uh, and Yoshida is just kind of your hey, here's all the other guys and. Yeah, and then Ho Ho Loon rushes to the announce desk. <laughs> right. <laughs> right at literally right after the match ends. You <laughs> yeah. know, that's the that's the uh um, It's a great gimmick. gimmick I love it. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. good. But so, that's uh that's that's Kobe World again. If you want to get even more ready for it, two uh different episodes open the voice gate, uh, as well as a written preview at voicesofwrestling.com from Liam Byrne. And uh we'll watch it and, and review it next week. I'm excited to watch it. I, I I'm I'm looking forward to the show though. I think it's a good time to uh uh, uh, to to watch and, and review Dragon Gate with other things, kind of taking a chill Rich, right here in the summer. Rich, can you uh, can you run down the card again? I love your pronunciations of all these names. No, I they're, would they're, prefer not to. Yeah, that's no? no. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's fine. I mean, you're brutal. I I I used to think I was bad. You are I'm absolutely terrible. brutal. I'm not good. at these pronunciations. I mean, you get a, a, a Spanish name on a Japanese card, and you could forget it. Rich is just <laughs> it's over because your brain gets all mixed up. You're like, should I be doing the Spanish thing here? Should I be? Is this a Japanese yeah, man? Fantastic. I don't know what's Mania. happening. Not good for me. You, yeah, no, it, it's 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 pretty awful. I think we if we had more time, we can go down this entire card and get you to pronounce these names uh, correctly. <laughs> go through uh, everyone until I, I got every, it. I, Every single one of them, which would be funny because I would do at least 25% of them wrong. Right, and then the chat well. room would just blow up with, no, that's not how you say it. This is how you make it. Uh, this is what you do. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 yeah. Hey, thank you anyway for pointing that out. But uh, all right. Well, I guess while we're in Japan, let, let's let's do this real quick then. Uh, New Japan Strong's Independence Day weekend show. So yes, this is weird. It's, it's New Japan Strong. So it's the American end of New Japan in Japan running in Cork and Hall. So it's a little bit, of, I feel bad for some of these uh, American talents that, Hey, on the 4th of July weekend, fly to Japan and, and work these shows. But these look like, man, these shows look awesome. I don't know what, I don't know what you think about these new Japan strong uh, lineups. I love these shows this weekend. I cannot wait no, to they watch look, these. Yeah, they look good. They look, they look good. Fucking incredible. Uh, the July 4th main event, doomsday, no disqualification tag team match, homicide and John Moxley versus El Desperado and June Kasai. Yeah, so how, did you ever hunt down the Moxley Despy match from? Yes, yes. Oh, you did. Okay, so this, because then they're having the final death match the next night coming off of the tag here. And uh, we all kind of knew Despy was going to pick Kasai as his partner uh, in the tag match. But um, th- yeah, th- these are not going to be your typical New Japan style main events on either one of these nights. So uh, Moxley's a fucking psychopath. We all know that at this point. Despy, for whatever reason, loves doing deathmatch. Fucking loves it. I, yeah. I, this man just loves doing deathmatch. You got Crazy Monkey, you know, on the on the first night with Kasai. And I guess you throw Homicide in the mix. I mean, he's never been afraid to to run the blade, right? So uh, no, he, no, this is yeah. going to be a bloodbath. Yeah, and then the next night too. I mean, they're they're going to be all scarred up from night one, patched up, and uh, they're going to be bleeding two minutes into that thing. Moxley and Despy, and that had a really good deathmatch in the United States the first time around. So. It's funny how death matches are good when the wrestlers are good. Isn't it funny how that works I out? always say that. Yeah, it's always the, the it's, guys that the good deathmatch wrestlers are good wrestlers that have death matches. And then there's a bunch of people that go out yeah. there and hit each other with shit and can't do anything. And all those matches suck. So it's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I guess uh, some of the highlights on these shows. Oh, I, you know, I see filthy Tom Lawler. I feel so bad for him. I know with the forbidden door situation. He got that yanked out from under him, but I, I thought, 
I thought MJF pivoted very well. Did you hear that line last night on Dynamite where he gets out of the uh, the car or whatever? And he goes, Cole, that was a great job pretending you were sick to get out of Forbidden Door. I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> yeah. That's it's good. just such a great line. Stuff. Yeah. It's such a great line. You know, but uh, yes, and then Lawler ends up in a pre-show match against, uh, was it Serpentico or was yeah, it? Yeah, it was that- Serpentico. Yeah, which not not the same as facing Adam Cole on the main show. <laughs> you know? Who's the other mass jobber whose contract just ran out? Uh, oh, that was um, Fuego, right? Fuego. Fuego, Fuego. Del Sol. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Did Fuego Del Sol and uh, and Joe Alonzo ever blow off their big indie feud at any point? <laughs> I don't think so, because neither. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. Remember, they, I'm sure um, Joe Alonzo did Joe Alonzo things and then, <laughs> they couldn't do it or something. I don't I don't remember. I, I don't recall. I don't think so, though. I, I, I'm almost positive they did not. I don't want to veer too far off the, the beaten path here, but I remember they were building that match and they both cut incredible promos on each other one problem neither one of them said the date or the city that the match was in <laughs> wow and i and i remember pointing that out and i had we had wrestlers in our replies that were like yeah well i don't know what the fuck they're doing like we don't know when the match the promos are great but when the fuck is the match like you forgot the most important part of plugging a match when is the match but I'm, i was just i i always think about that and i'm like did they ever get around to to having that big blow off because their promos actually got me into it but um Anyway, I don't know what that has to do with these shows. Uh, night one, you mentioned the main event. That's the tag. And then underneath, we've got... I'll handle these, Rich, since you botched the Dragon Gate game <laughs> well, so I badly. I get up. all these. I know all these names, but go ahead. Oh, go what do you mean? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take Clark Connors yeah. and uh, <laughs> Drilla. You got Drilla yeah. Maloney? Can you can you handle that one? Yeah, so Clark Connors and the Drilla, Dan Maloney. That's the Bullet Club War Dogs. Do you like that there's like nine splintered factions I do. of Bullet Club Actually, now? Actually, I do. Yeah. Believe it or not, I do. I, I I hated it when it was like one Bullet Club that had maybe some... Blob? Yeah, I didn't want. I, I don't like the Blob. I, I love that there's War Dogs. I like that there's gold. I like this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in. It feels... Doesn't Bullet Club feel fresh for the first time in a long time? Yeah, in about I mean, 11 years. <laughs> it feels like the Bullet Club's yeah. fresh for the first time. Yeah, for sure. So they'll go after the uh, junior tag titles. That's obviously uh, TJP and Akira catch two two, who won those titles back. I really feel like they never should have lost them. That's a shame because they were on a really hot title reign. They interrupted it for what? I mean, they should have just kept them all the way through and broke the record, which you know they ended up not breaking the record. The other Bullet Club War Dogs, Coglin and Gabe Kid, they take on Bishimon for the. Uh, these are now. This is just for the strong titles correct because this is a new japan strong show isn't that the deal here uh correct yeah so okay um that means it's not impossible that they, they could win the bullet club guys could win Absolutely. it's not possible you know that that definitely opens it up as opposed to if like all the titles because i think bishimon holds both sets now, yeah right? yeah they yes if yeah. they if they if so, this is they're not winning the bolt i don't think the war dogs are winning like the main iwgps but they could easily 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 win the new japan, new japan strong titles yeah, so that that match is uh, most definitely in play. That's not you know a match where you know you're like oh Bishimon's beating those guys. I don't know because I think you're going to want to establish. I don't think both War Dog teams are going to lose. I think one of them is going to win. I don't know if you want to beat both of those teams. No, right out of oh, the gate no. like this. No, 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 no way. So I think one will win at least one. Um, Momo and Willow Nightingale against Julia. That's with a G, Rich. Yeah, Julia. And uh, Fekla 
Why don't you give me 10 minutes on Thecla, Rich Cates? I got give me nothing for you on Thecla. I can't help you on Thecla. Okay. I, do, I do like Julia, though. I talked about her a lot in the show that I did with uh, Alan uh, a couple of months ago, just about how I thought she's like one of the that it factor that she's talking about. She's got it in spades and 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 uh, everything I've seen of her this year. I, I'm a little bit behind on 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 Joshi, so I haven't watched a lot uh, of Julia over the last month or so. But uh, yeah, she she's got that it factor that and, and she's been talking about trying to get a little bit bigger booking. She's been talking about going to America. She challenged Willow Nightingale for this title uh, for for the 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 the. the you know, whatever the hell the New Japan Strong Women's, I forget. It's got whatever title it is on it for. Uh, but that's going to be a big time match, Willow and, and, and Julia. And and she is only going to get bigger in the next couple of years. So, yeah, it's time to be aware of her if you're not aware of her, because it's, it's only going to get bigger. All right. Some guys arguing with us in the chat saying it's for the world titles. No, the first night is for the strong titles, right? Can someone double check that? I the will. First yeah, night, let me let me see. Let me make sure. Here. The first night is for the strong titles. And then the, the July 5th. Is it, it Bishimon's defending the 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 IWGP titles? We got the, the match on the official website here. Strong open weight tag team championship match. Yeah, so we got it right. The first night is the strong titles. The July fifth is for the IWGP titles, right? Now let me confirm that. Make sure that we have it right. It's, you know, we we we're mostly right. People always think we're wrong. We're mostly right. Uh, night two, July fifth. IWGP tag team titles. Yes. Yeah. The July 5th match is for the IWGP. Yeah, we're not on that one yet. <laughs> we're talking about July 4th. I'm saying that the war dog team can win the strong titles. I don't think, I think they're more likely to win the strong titles on the fourth than they are to win the, the main IWGP titles on the fifth. That was my point when I said, because they're not that first match is for, they're doing two matches. Yes. The first match is for the strong titles. The second match is for the IWGP titles. I think they have a chance to win the strong titles. Right. Maybe I they'll win the fucking IWGP, but I think they have a better chance to win the strong I do, titles. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, um, Kingston and Rocky Romero versus Gato and Kenta. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> All righty then. Um, Lawlor versus Kosei Fujita. That, that's going to rock. That's going to rule. Lawlor versus Kosei Fujita. That's going to rule. Yeah, that's a cool match. And then we've got some of the opening match stuff. Alex Zane, Lance Archer, and Rohe Oiwa versus uh, Team Filthy. That The Team Filthy guys that aren't Lawlor, Jarrell Nelson, J.R. Kratos, and Royce Isaacs. I'm glad a lot of these guys are getting an opportunity in Japan. They've busted their ass on these strong shows, and now they're going to wrestle in Cork and Hall. Bad dude Tito takes on the DKC. And then uh, the kickoff match. Is this one of those ones that won't air? Is that how this I, is working? Dude, I want to see Oscar Lube, but they never show him. I always want to I don't know how this works anymore. Like sometimes they, they used to show these all the time and I would be like, oh, hell yeah, here we go. And then I kept getting excited. And then the guy, they would never show him. So I don't even know anymore. I don't know. Yes, I don't I mean, know if we're going to get our fill of shows, Oscar Lube great. here, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm just not going to, I'm like not going to worry about it. So then the fifth, um, we talked about the final death match, Moxley and Despy. Final death match. That's what it's called. Final yeah. death match. So. so strong title, which Kenta uh, defeated, if you recall, uh, Paul Haku's son. What the hell is his name again? Hikaleo. Um, Hikaleo by throwing him through the table off the fucking stairs, off the fucking bleachers. I thought that spot was great. It was so but anyway, Yeah, that match rocked too. Um, what a good shitty match that was. Yeah, right? it was, it like, was, it was a, not a good match, but it fucking ruled and it was great. It was a good shitty match. Yeah. And uh, so he'll defend against Eddie Kingston. I don't know. Maybe Kingston can win. Who fucking cares? It's the New Japan strong title. You know, if you want to send Kingston into the G1 with a fucking championship belt, 
then uh, maybe you do a change here. Who knows? Because you don't want him losing going into the G1, right? Like, doesn't it make more sense? I guess to put not, him over? but I guess it depends how you want to book him in the G1 as well, because if he's a champion, then he needs to be somewhat protected. But then again, he'd be going in somewhat protected anyway. So actually, you know what? That makes all the sense in the world. That AEW is yeah, saying, hey, you got to protect our guy a little bit. And New Japan's going to say, okay, if we're going to protect him, we may as well put a title on him. So that's part of the protection is that while well, he's a champion. That's my line of thinking. Yeah. I think that he should just um, win this title. I mean, fuck it. You know? Um, then for the IWGP titles, Bishimon versus Coglin and Kid. So uh, once again, I'm going to. Um, I'm going to. Uh, do my best JR a unique format here, Rich is these teams face each other two nights in a row uh, for two different sets of titles. Willow defends against Julia. I think she's losing that match. I don't think Willow was supposed to ever have this title. That's a happy accident though, because it has helped her get over. So, and it probably got her booked in Japan for this. I don't, she probably wouldn't have been on the show otherwise. So, um, but now we get back down to business and put the title on somebody. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, for no sure. Disrespect and and that's I, I mentioned it. You know, in, in in the talk about the July Fourth thing or whatever. Watch this match because Julia's Julia's awesome. She's really really good. And and I've liked Willow as well. I think Willow is is it was a, a an accident. It happened, and I think it's been fine. But yeah, I think now is the time to move it over to Julia. Uh, and and yeah, I think that helps that title get a little bit more prestige. Maybe you know maybe it's not on an AEW television show as often or whatever. But you know Julia will have it in Japan, and I I think that raises the level of it. Uh, well, more importantly, more importantly than her having it in Japan is the money match is Julia versus Monet, right? Right. Back right. in the United States somewhere or something. So that that's why you'd want to do that. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, the DKC and Tomohiro Ishii versus the, uh, in this case, Team Filthy is Jarrell Nelson, Royce Isaacs, and Tom Lawlor. So uh, Kratos is uh, not involved. He's got a singles match earlier on the show on this night against Lube. Uh, Alex Zane and Lance Archer, they're teaming together on the first show as well. In a six-man, they're in a tag team match here against Bad Dude Tito and Kosei Fujita. So the bottom part of the TMDK uh, roster there, taking on Alex Zane and uh, Lance Archer. Rocky Romero and Yo versus Clark Connors and the Drilla. Homicide and Rohe Oiwa. <laughs> I love Ketch- that team. <laughs> love versus, yeah, what a weird team. He's going he's gonna to corrupt this poor kid. Yeah, it's going to be like a Moxley shoot- shooter thing all over again. <laughs> okay, so they take on Catch-22. Now, do, does the booking on night two to you tip off the result on night one. I, you know, I was about to interject and say, I now think the bullet club war dogs might be winning that, those titles. See, I think the July 5th booking is ambiguous enough to where it doesn't tell us anything. What's your angle here? I just think they're higher on the card. Uh, I think against uh, I won match. I mean, yeah, but I know. guess being against a real team as well, you know, no offense mm-hmm. to homicide, no or whatever. I, I don't know. I just I saw that match and I, I saw the order and I just went, mm, you know what? That maybe maybe they are going to win those titles. Yeah, you got to think about that. Uh, Kratos Lube, as I mentioned, and then hopefully we we I, I never know what the openers anymore. But Master Wato, Oleg Bolton, and uh, Rusuke Taguchi versus Dragon Libre Reka and Takahiro Katori. Now Wato. Off to the dark matches right after his Super Junior win. I want your take on this. <laughs> and this isn't just a Watto complaint. This is a complaint I make every single year. When these guys win best of the Super Juniors, right? And they get their trophy, and then they get their title match, and they lose. 
I think they look like cornballs still carrying around that trophy. Oh, of course. I, yeah, it's, of course. It's old news. Like, what are we doing? It's like, like doing I, an Eastern Conference Championship parade, like after the NBA Finals. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. nobody wants that. Like, all right, well, you lost the fight, but hey, these guys are the Eastern Conference champions. We got to show some love to our Miami Heat or whatever. To a, what's like, that trophy? Is that the Walter J. O'Brien, or is that the the main one? Which one is the uh, what are they call the it? Larry O'Brien is the, the Larry uh, O'Brien. That's is the, the main uh, trophy. Yeah, they okay. they've renamed the. I forget what the Eastern Conference. Um, Probably the fucking red R back or some shit. And the, uh, yeah, they've got they got weird names now. I forget I forget what yeah. they all are, but yeah, no nobody cares. They win it and then they're like, oh yeah, pretty cool. Oh, it's the Larry Bird. It's the Larry Bird trophy now. Oh, uh, I remember okay. that. Now. So like then the guys have it and it's like oh, yeah, all right, whatever. But like yeah, this would be like then the Miami Heat lose the NBA Finals and then like the next year carry around the Larry Bird trophy all over the place. Yeah, or have a parade like in July. Like all right, you're Miami Heat, your Eastern Conference champion, Miami Heat. <laughs> Just like that would be dorky. It'd be really, really Hiro- dorky. Hiromu used to do that too. Like he'd carry around the fucking trophy for months on end. I think it makes you look like a dork. Yeah. Like we're we're done with that. That's over. Like you, we we saw you win. That's great. You got Put your it on title your mantle. shot. You Put it on it. your mantle, but it's over. We don't need to see it anymore. Yeah, you you. We already did the title match. You either won or lost, and that was that. And why are we still? Watto is going to come to the ring for the dark match. With this dopey trophy that he won three months ago, <laughs> right. like and lost I, and lost in his opportunity for yeah, it, like so. you it's it's a reminder that you didn't win the title right. more than anything else. It's like oh yeah, like you lost. I, I just it drives me nuts every year that they keep carrying that thing around. I I I, it, I don't know, it bothers me. Uh, um, Joe, what do you think about this breaking news as we're going on to the show here? New Japan Global Twitter announces that Shota Umino, Ren Narita, and Yotasuji are now being known as the Three Musketeers. The new that's a bold, three musketeers. That's a, that's a bold move, Cotton. The last, is, uh, the last three musketeers were Hiroshi Tanahashi, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Katsuyori Shibata. And now they're putting it on Ren Narita, Yotasuji, and Shota Umino. So I have a few questions for that. And the three before that, of course, were Muto, Hashimoto, yes. and Shono. <laughs> yeah. um, who, are these, who are these men again? Let me hear this. Uh, Shota Umino, Ren Narita, okay. and Yotasuji. I mean... Joking aside, that's a massive stamp of approval mm-hmm. on all three men. They're telling you these are guys. Um, Just want to break they, in. Bob Cousy uh, uh, titles or the uh, championship is what you win. At the that's the Western titles. one, right? No, that, that's the Eastern. If you win the the the, uh, the most valuable player in the Eastern Conference Finals wins the Larry Bird uh, trophy. Oh, but okay. the, the Bob Cousy trophy is if your team wins the Eastern Conference. And if your team wins the Western Conference, it is the... Oscar Robertson trophy. So there you go. Who's the MVP for the Western Conference? Who's that trophy? I don't know. About that. <laughs> I don't, they, they, they did this big rollout and like nobody cared. They, they, they tried to do yeah. this like everybody calls it the Larry O'Brien. So now we're going to like have every award have a name. But like nobody really. Uh, Magic well, Johnson. Magic Johnson is the uh, MVP of the okay. Western Conference Finals. Well, it's very similar to about, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago when Major League Baseball decided to add another award, the Hank Aaron Award for the best hitter in the league. And, and they were hoping it would pick up steam like the side, like be on the same level. Right, nobody cares. Young. Yeah, nobody cares Rich, about the Rich. Hank Aaron Award. Rich. Joe, I didn't know there was a Hank Aaron Award until you told me that right there, right now. Yeah, I was going to say, name a Hank Aaron Award winner. <laughs> name uh, one. Mike Trout. 
Maybe. Give me one Hank Aaron award winner. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, so. I'm sure Aaron Judge had to win it last year, right? I, I don't even know. I'm sure he um, did. Let's go with yes. Let's just say yes. Pull that up. Hold on. All right, let's see here. Hank Aaron Award. Uh, yes, your 2022 American League Hank Aaron Award winner, Aaron Judge. Can you give me your National League Hank Aaron Award winner? Last Judge? year? Last year. Oh, shit. Had uh, um, significantly less home runs than Aaron Judge did. Well, everybody did. <laughs> um, he hit Aaron Judge hit 62 home runs. Um, you're familiar with Rob Stryker, correct? Yes, of course. Yankee fan. Every time Aaron Judge hit a home run last year, I got a text that said in all caps, here comes the judge. Oh, boy. So you got 62. Here comes the judge. I got 62 text messages. Here comes the judge. You really felt every one of those homers then. In all caps with exclamation points. Every time that motherfucker hit a home run. Very frustrating. Um, And he had the nerve to tell me during the Reds 12 game winning streak when I was sending him pictures of, uh, you know, the count holding up the next number. Like I'd send them a picture of the count holding up number 10 or whatever. <laughs> the four. <laughs> like, He's like, I'm going to block you. I'm like, I, you sent me 62, 62 text yeah, messages. No, 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 pal. 62. This is how it works. You can deal with 12. Um, We're grown men, by the way. Grown men. Pushing 50 over here. Um, I don't know. I don't know who would have won the uh, Two-time award. winner of this award, Paul Goldschmidt of your St. Louis Cardinals was your... Uh, Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'm not going to break down the Hank Aaron Award because who gives a shit? Yeah. Alex but, Rodriguez, right. your all time leader with four Hank Aaron Awards. So great. Great. Put it on his Hall of Fame plaque when they eventually <laughs> vote him in. Well, if. if. Um, all right. Great. All right. So uh, what the hell were we talking about? Uh, the three oh, Musketeers. That's the two, three Musketeers. Three Musketeers. Yeah. It's a big stamp of approval. I mean, you know, and that's a lot of pressure too. So, you know, we'll see. You know, and they're not. This isn't, they're not going to be a unit or anything. It's just these are the three guys. Just like the other guys were never like, you know, necessarily, uh, oftentimes they were enemies, like mortal enemies, you know, uh, past uh, Three Musketeers. This is just, I don't know. I, I think you kind of have to let the fans organically do something like that. Maybe I, I don't, we'll see. It's a lot of pressure. It is. It's it, it, the pressure is that that's the thing that gets me is like, now it's literally like the ball's in your court, guys. Like we just we just declared you guys like the next level. Like these guys can't fail. You know what I mean? They can't like they can't stumble. And they could, you know, they obviously can, you know, because you know, Shibata, you know, it largely did stumble when went after, you know, being declared part of that and, and would, you know, end up coming back or, or whatnot. But like that's still that 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 takes on just such a big, heavy connotation that yeah, it's like shit, man. It's a big deal. And uh one of the other notes that I had. Is uh, Yuya Uemura three musketeers? Yes. He not four, not included. Oh no, yeah, that's not how it works, Rich. There's three. Mm-hmm. There's three musketeers, not included. Yeah. Even though everybody kind of thought he was the guy. This guy actually leave New Japan or no? Is that still? Are we? Is I that am, still? A I, joke? I am. I am told he did not. Okay. I am. I am told that he has told promoters who have asked that he's eventually going back. Okay, and that when? he's moved his. Ex- <laughs> He's moved his excursion to the East Coast. I okay. believe, I think he lives with Carl Fredericks. I, I don't know that for a fact. Oh, no. But <laughs> they have tweeted together. Oh, like, no. <laughs> I, I, they, maybe they just live close by to each other. I don't uh, know. Hopefully. I probably shouldn't say. <laughs> but uh, why? Maybe he, maybe you and you and Mark can get on the one and twos and do a little DJing. Yeah. Right? Oh, maybe for sure. Can, yeah. 
It's a good some skill to backup, fall back some on. Some backup you know? for Damon Kemp the next time he interrupts the uh, uh, the performance. That's but, right. But yeah, my man's been in, uh, he's been doing his excursion for like two and a half years now. <laughs> like, I think he's ready, right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, look, I can only tell you what he tells people. Right, it's weird. And he tells people that he likes to fuck around on Twitter and that he's going back. That's what he tells people. Okay, that's all I know, what he tells people. So I don't know. Maybe he's not going back. I don't yeah, it's just know. interesting that, yeah, because everybody kind of pegged him as like, the, oh, yeah, once that guy's back, he he's going to be a dude. But now, yeah, they've, they've declared that he's not a dude. You know, he's he, and whether you're not, you know, whether you're a three musketeer or not, you could still be a dude. But but like they're basically saying that these are our three stars of the next generation type thing. So, yeah, I don't know. Him not being included in that is is strange to me. I mean, he should go back. He's not going anywhere here. I mean, I hate to be blunt, but. Oh, no, I mean, he's, he's not going to be an Impact Wrestling he, superstar. Yeah, he's going to be a dude on Impact, but yeah, he's not going to. Yeah. I mean, Impact has certainly has a ceiling, and they haven't pushed him to that ceiling. And it, it, let's say he were to get into NXT. You know they're not doing anything with him ever. So look at the precedent with other Japanese wrestlers. I mean, we can, you know, we don't have, we don't, we could, we could run them down all day. So, I mean, I know everybody hits that pillow thinking they're going to be a big time superstar, but you know, let's be realistic. He should go back. So there you go. That uh, that's the official declaration there of the uh, new Musketeers: Renarita Yotsuji, Shota Umino. So, all right, we'll see what happens. <laughs> that's bold. That's a bold move there. But uh, that is the two New Japan Strong shows again, July fourth and July fifth. Uh, both from Cork and Hall. I don't know if they're both available. I don't know if they're... Don't ask me to explain New Japan World to you anymore. It used to be I paid them money and then I got all the shows, but now sometimes I got to pay them money to get other shows. I don't know. I think it's one of those pay-per-views that you got to buy separately. Oh, is it really? I, this is not New Japan World? I think it is. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure you have to pay extra yeah, it, We all knew that was a slippery slope. Okay. We said it at the we, time. We, People we were like, oh, no, it. they're just doing it one time. No, they're not. They're doing it to see, okay, can we charge these people? Okay, they bought it anyway. Yeah, just fucking charge them now. So, By the way, I, I, we, should, we should mention this. Uh, the Dragon Gate service, they don't have that stupid thing anymore where the shows disappear in a week. No, no. They, uh, Jay, Jay said that he got it to a year now, so things are going to stay up there for a year, which yeah. is cool. So a massive improvement. So... Because that was preventing people from subscribing because they're like, well, I can't, I don't know if I can watch in a week. You know, I'm busy. So I'm not going to spend money on this. And then the shows aren't there anymore. Now you don't have to worry about that. The shows are there. Mm -hmm. And if you can't watch them in a year, then well, I, nobody's that busy. Yeah. If, if you can't watch it in a year, yeah. then forget it. Like you're probably not watching it. But yeah, it would, do, it would be this thing where like I would forget a show would happen. I go, oh, shoot, I got to go watch that. And it was like eight days after the show happened. So it was gone. I was like, oh, come on. And then yeah. I just I went to other means. Like I was like, well, I'm going to watch this fucking show. So I went to other means. Now I don't have to do that anymore. I can just pay. I pay it and I watch it. So that that, that is a huge, huge, huge. So they, they're doing some good stuff there at Dragon Gate Network. So. All right. So these shows are you get them for 27 bucks together. Yeah. I am a pirate. <laughs> well, John Pierre Lafitte on that one. Yeah, I don't know. I like these shows, but man, I, you know, I already get them. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> we are family. A little, uh, little Dave Parker this weekend, maybe. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Dave, Dave Parker. <laughs> Who's your go-to? I mean, I guess there's several other go-to <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates. Dave, Dave 
Parker. I love Dave Parker, man. Dave Parker rules. God. Yeah, the he was Cobra. a hell of a player on those teams. Yeah, the Cobra. He's probably, well, he was probably what? No, I, hold on a minute. No, Dave Parker was one of the best players on those fucking teams. Are you kidding? No, I'm not. Who's? I'm not arguing. Okay. Stop yelling at me. I agree. <laughs> Who should I be bringing up? Who do you want me to bring I, up? I, I, I love Dave Parker. He got traded to the Reds when you know. I was. I, I loved Dave Parker as a kid. I'm not, I just thought it was funny, you know, Dave Parker. Little Omar, out the Dave Omar Moreno. Omar Moreno. That's- yeah, it's another great one. Yeah. John Candelaria. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways you can go, you know. How about Johnny Ray? A little Johnny Ray, second baseman. <laughs> Tony Tony Pena. Now it's just let's name some guys. Yeah, let's name some guys. Yeah, Burt Bylevin was on one of those, right? It was on the late, uh, late ones, I believe, which is pretty we're awesome. Naming- we're naming early '80s Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, <laughs> right, it's, getting pretty, it's getting pretty. You know, how about how about uh, how about Bill Madlock? Bill, I like Bill. Yeah, good, good little Bill Madlock. Yeah, yeah, but he was a coward. Like that one year, he, I, I forget. I don't know about this. Tell me all about Bill Madlock being a coward. Yeah, Bill Madlock. That one year, I forget who he was going down to the wire with with the batting title, but it got to the point where he knew if he sat out the last oh, series. Yes. The other guy would have to go like 10 for 12 or something to, to pass him. And he like he got, quote unquote, sick. He got sick like Adam Cole. And he and he like sat out and, uh, you know, bullshitted his way to a batting title. He's not he's he's not the only guy, though. A lot of people oh, a lot have, of done guys that. have done that in history. Yeah, a lot of guys have done that. You know, it's uh, it's some bullshit. But uh, a lot of guys have done that. So. Yeah, we're just remembering, remembering some early some pirates, 80s pirates <laughs> for no reason pirates. whatsoever. For no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Remembering some pirates. They had really good uniforms then. They would mix oh, and match the best. yellow and the black. Those right? the yellow hats. The yeah. the yellow helmets. It wasn't even the hats, the helmets were that yeah. certain color yellow, man. Well, they had the, the they had the pill hats too, the pill shaped hats. Yeah, yeah. In that era, which were really cool. Um yeah, no, that that was uh all-time uniform team for sure. That era of the Pirates. I still think the Pirates have pretty solid unis. They do. They Even definitely today. do. But the, those pill helmets and that with the stripes and then the, their logo too was like a wanted poster with yes. a pirate on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, was, which was really cool too. So, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Dale Barra. There's another pirate. Yeah. Son oh, of yeah, Yogi yeah. Barra. Yeah. He was a big cokehead. He was part of the... Uh, well. <laughs> A lot of the yeah, men we mentioned know. were uh, enjoyed yeah, the uh, that, in that era. They enjoyed the, the nose candy, especially that team. That team really enjoyed, really enjoyed. Yeah, everybody did, but that team really enjoyed. Maybe not Mets level yeah. enjoyed, but they they certainly got down. I'll say that. Do you remember Kent Tacolvi? Submariner, of course, of course. I had a lot of cards of his. I don't know why, and I never knew how to pronounce his name until like because like I had these cards when I was in like the midnight. You know, how was I going to figure out how to pronounce this dude's name? Because it's hard. Yeah. There's a lot of letters and they don't make sense. And they're all kind of just. So I had a few. I had a bunch of his cards as a kid. And then later, it was a very, very later in life when I actually figured out how to pronounce it. And then. So you struggled to pronounce a name, huh? That's yeah. surprising. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he always had. He had the, the glasses. The set. <laughs> like with the, the tinted out glasses, the big wad of chew. Oh, yeah. And he was a, and he was a submariner. And uh, yeah, he was the. Uh, he was a relief pitcher. Yeah, I love those, the. Uh, I love when guys wore framed glasses, like the normal, like yeah, off the shelf framed glasses uh, in, in a sporting event. Where now, you know, guys have all the, you know, 
very particular. If you do have to wear glasses, you have very particular ones and they're strapped. This guy just threw on like a pair of glasses he got from, you know, four eyes and went out there and pitched. It's, it's the best, you know? Yeah, he pitched forever, too. He pitched, yeah, but he had to have at least a 20-year career. Kent Colby. I mean, those those submariners, you know, I guess less stress on the arm, but not everybody could throw those kind of pitches. But uh, he played for the Phillies in the um, – shout out Ian Riccobone. He played for the Phillies in uh, the the late 80s, Kent to Colby. But, you know, he was he was a pirate during those uh, late 70s. We are family yep. pirates teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fun teams. Absolutely, partied a bit. Enjoyed the nose candy. <laughs> hey, but they won. They won a World Series. You enjoy the nose candy all you want. Some of the other men on the team enjoyed some other recreational right. drugs as well. But that's fine. Hey, you know, nineteen seventy nine World Series champions. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. Every man we just named here, I believe. I mean, or the vast majority of them were on that so. team. Yeah. Willie Stargell, we did not mention <laughs> the legend of the Pittsburgh Pirates. We didn't mention the best player on the team. Of <laughs> right. course not. Why would we do that? No. Why would we mention the Hall of Famer on the team? <laughs> we went right was, to Dave Parker. Yeah, that's right. Dave well, Parker Dave rocked. Par- yeah. he rocked. He rocked. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, gonna, the Cobra was great. I'm not going like, to apologize. Cobra, and his nickname was the fucking Cobra. You know, Parker was probably the best player on the championship team because Stargell was a little older by then. Yeah. So, um, I think he won an MVP, God. right? Either that year or the year after, or something like that. I, I forget. He's he's definitely won an MVP. I know that. Parker probably won it in 79, the year they won the World Series. No, I think he won it in uh, 78 or 79. I can't remember. But he was the best player on those teams. Stargell yeah. was an aging player. Right, right, that. right. He was he was the heart and soul of the team, but Parker was Willie the guy. Willie Stargell played with, like, Roberto Clemente and shit. Like, yeah. He was, yeah, he was there forever. He, yeah, he was, a, he was an older guy by then. Parker, if he didn't have all those injuries, would have been a Hall of Famer. But injuries... Uh, completely, I don't want to say completely derailed his career, but it prevent it, it injuries ensured he was a good player and not a great player. Is a great, good career and not a great career is what I should say. Because when Parker was healthy and in his prime, he was a great player. He, he had that rocket throwing arm. Uh, there's, there's YouTube videos out there that throw he makes in the all star game. I mean, the guy just oh, had yeah. a fucking cannon, Rocked. absolute fucking cannon. Do you know, uh, did you know 1985 Dave Parker, Cincinnati Red, runner-up for MVP that year? I said that. He got traded to the Reds, and, and he was, he, yeah, he had that three-year one with the Reds when I was a little kid in my former Eric Davis years. Like, I, yeah, I love Dave Parker. Will, yeah, Willie absolutely. McGee. Willie McGee was your MVP that year. But uh, yeah, when you hit 353 and have 216 hits, yeah, that's fine. 56 stolen bases. That'll work. Uh, Vince Coleman, uh, though, not the leader in the uh, Cardinals uh, in steals. Vince Coleman had a cool 110 steals that year. So it didn't quite. Yeah. God damn. Could you imagine? I, I, I never, you know, I was obviously not alive. Well, yeah, yeah. I wasn't alive for that. I, I can't even fathom a guy stealing 110 bases. Like what nah, that even I, looks like, you know, they just, they just run as soon as they get on base. Uh, Chris Welsh, who was a pitcher with the Reds, who's now a broadcaster. He said um, one time, Vince Coleman was on first base and he threw over to first base 19 times to try to stop Vince Coleman. Because <laughs> you know he's doing it. <laughs> you know? And then Coleman stole the base. Right. Of course he did. He threw over 19 times and Vince Coleman then stole the base on you know the, the time he didn't throw over. So that's just that's how the game was. It was artificial turf. So, you know, that helped. That give you a little extra step. Um, yeah, that, you know. You know, that might be coming back. Teams are running a lot. They're running year, a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if we're getting 110 steals ever again, but but teams are running a little bit. I like that. I like yeah, that you're not going to get a guy with 110 steals, but you're going to get teams with 
four times as many steals Steals as they had. Steals need to come back. They rock. Yeah, they are back, and it's fun. You know, it's action, and it's it's exciting. Stolen base attempts are exciting, you know, if nothing else. And if you can do them at a high percentage – they're actually worthwhile too. What's it like? It's like it's got to be like seventy eight percent or better to be to add value or something like that, which is why you know in the Moneyball era teams stopped running because they felt like no, we're just going to wait around, get on base, and then try to hit home runs. Um, and you know, but now you know with the bigger bases and the inability to throw over, right? You can increase and, that percentage chance of it. That's right, giving you so, a new base. So yeah, or, or, or you know, moving up the base. So. You got to do yeah, so sure. it's, it's worth the risk. So, um, yeah, but I, I I don't know if we'll ever see, you know, like Ricky Henderson and Vince Coleman and, and people like that who were stealing, you know, in the triple digits. I mean, that's just, you know, Tim Raines might have hit 100. I don't know if he ever uh, hit 100. I think he did. Yeah, I think he did in one year, but. Eric Davis stole 80 one year. Another man I mean, that enjoyed just, uh, the, uh, the the candy in the 80s. <laughs> on, uh, Reigns? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rock Reigns? Yeah. What kind of rock? <laughs> what kind of rock, Tim? What what kind of rock we talking, yeah. bud? Uh, you know, Eric Davis and Daryl Strawberry growing up in LA, they were, you know, into some nefarious things. They did. So yeah, they were they were into it. Was, it was the times. Yeah, whatever. You know what? It hey, was the times. It. You know, do some drugs. Why not? Well, there's a lot of reasons why not, but <laughs> yeah, a multitude of reasons why not. But hey, you know what? Uh, <laughs> all right, before we uh before we depart here. Uh, this week, uh, AW Fight Forever video game has been released. Joe, what is your current console? What what consoles do you have? I know the the boys got a switch. Uh, I forget if you ever upgraded to a PS4 or a PS5, or are you still rocking the the PS3 or whatever the hell you. Have? No, 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 no new PlayStations. There is a there's a switch in the household though. There's a switch. Okay, yeah, your yeah. gaming PC, I, I guess, is not up to to snuff these days. You're not a little out of the park, but that's not quite the same thing. <laughs> no, you know, no, text based. You're gonna need, yeah, you might need a little bit more than uh than than what you, you graphic card. Yeah, you might graphic. need a graphics card, maybe a uh, cooling fan or two. You know, but uh, yeah, no, the the, the the fight forever came out uh, this week. We have a written review up at VoicesWrestling.com from Alex Wenlin. Uh, we also have a video review up on our YouTube channel as well. Uh, thus far, the reviews are mixed. The uh, meta sco- Metacritic score for the PS5 version currently sits at 63. Uh, the PC version sits at 68. Uh, reviews are obviously still coming in from other platforms. I've played it. I played it for a few hours. I got a review copy uh, from the company THQ, not the company AEW, the, the company that makes the video game. People say, ah, Tony Khan sending people free stuff now. No, the company that made the game uh, sent us some review copies. Played it for a little bit. I, I like it. I think it's pretty damn solid. Um, I could see why it's getting the ratings it's getting. It's it's it doesn't feel as modern as a lot of modern wrestling games. It doesn't feel as modern as a lot of modern video games. But I, it's, as we said in our review, if you were a fan of No Mercy and Revenge and World Tour and WrestleMania 2000, it's that updated and it's kind of bare bones. But if that was the style of game that you liked and you like playing with you know characters and wrestlers that haven't been in wrestling video games for quite a while. Uh, and some guys that have never been in wrestling video games, it's a hell of a lot of fun. So I've enjoyed it so far. I think it's a pretty damn good game, but but I can definitely also see the reviews and why they're so bad because they're not. It's it's not a deep game, and it is missing some some key features that a lot of the modern you know WWE 2K games and a lot of modern video games these days uh, uh, don't have. But uh, I don't know. Are you planning on uh, playing it at all or, or catching up? I know you you got into Fire Pro a little bit uh, or a lot of it, I guess. But I don't know if you're still um, you know planning on on, on Try not this game at any point. Ah, probably not. The reviews are bad. I don't pay attention. The reviews aren't good. Yeah, 
they're not they're not great yeah so far when they when you know a f- the first batch that came in people were like yeah this is okay but then as i predicted as more and more people outside of like wrestling fans i think like the game it's gonna Rest- do better with wrestling yeah wrestling fans are like all right i get this but a lot of your you know people from other websites your you know main video game reviewers are playing it and just kind of like yeah i don't know I, it's it feels like an old game it doesn't have that many features it kind of i don't understand it's good yeah, for you yeah. know people that love the n64 wrestling games but like what does it have for you know modern fans and, and that was one of my concerns when i saw the game you know initially developed is this is a game that's for us it's like a lot of things with AEW. it's for us it's for a very 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 particular demographic but i can definitely see how your you know your gen pop video game players or your gen pop wrestling fans are just going to be like i don't get it or anybody under 30 is probably like i don't know what the hell is the big deal with this game because they didn't grow up on the n64 you know wrestling games or, or you know wcw versus the world was on, on on ps1 or whatever but if you didn't play those you're probably just like i don't know i don't really understand why i'm supposed to like this game because it, it it's weird in the sense that if you know what it is you're fine and you like it but for people that are used to the wwe 2k games it's, it, it, it is very different in that sense so yeah I don't know. I uh, I probably will not play it, but um, I, I wasn't aware I was getting bad reviews. But, you know, after uh, all this time, the switch version, Joe, uh, right now has a 47 on Metacritic. So I'm guessing that's not out of 50. That is not out of 50. No, that is out of 100. It's got a big old red. So uh, maybe wow. don't get it for the boy just yet. <laughs> don't uh, don't don't. Doesn't Switch have a rep where if it's not a Nintendo game, it's kind of you, you should probably get it on a different system? Yeah, usually. Yeah, usually. Yeah. Um, they, they tend to like, especially games that are on the big systems. Like if it's a game that's on PS5 and it moves to Switch, just assume it's going to suck on Switch. Right. Because Switch right, is just right. not that powerful. It's an older system. It's it's fun as hell. Like I love my Switch. I, I, I'm sure the boy loves it too. It's like, it's portable. The games that are on it are great if they're the games that are for the Switch. But yeah, if, if, if the game is available on a PS5 or an Xbox One or whatever, play it on those. Or an Xbox Series X, I should say, not, not Xbox One. If it's available on those, play it on those. Because usually when it gets ported to Switch, or if you got a PC, play it there. Usually when it gets ported to Switch, it has a lot of slowdowns. It's not quite there. Yeah, I played I played one of the NBA 2K games on a Switch, and it was just like, holy shit, this is terrible. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 not made for that. Go play Zelda. Go play your Mario. Go play that sort of stuff. Uh, don't uh, yeah, don't 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 need to uh, move that over to Switch. All he does is play that dopey Minecraft. I can't get him off of it. Just so he's on my he's playing Minecraft on Switch then. Okay, All right. yeah, terrible game. A lot of other games. A lot of other oh, games out there for him. I don't. I don't understand it. I. I I'm. I'm totally. Wasn't he the, playing Minecraft on something else already? Yeah, on like his tablet. He had a what tablet the hell was he the Switch for? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I brought him to the store one day to get some new games, and he like he wanted Minecraft. I'm like, but you already play Minecraft on your tablet, and he wanted it, and I was like, all right, whatever, I'll get you the fucking game. And he, he doesn't take. He, he doesn't take it out of the machine. He just plays fucking Minecraft all day. Wow. All right. I, he's like, oh, look at the new house I built. I'm like, all right, but who fucking cares? What are we doing here? Like, what's the <laughs> wow? Like, what's the point? Like, he's like, oh, look, it's my crafting table. Have you I'm won? like, what? You're winning yet? Or- <laughs> what are you winning? Are you winning, son? Yeah. Like, yeah, right. I, I don't understand. Like, he's showing me like a crafting table. I'm like, what kind of game is this? You have a crafting table? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's a very, you should be happy. He, it, he's, he's learning life uh, things on there. That's, that's good. But uh, yeah, I don't no, know. Well, then I looked it up. I'm like, I'm like, there has to be a way to like achieve something in this game. Like, like there uh, has a to be a to there's the a game. monster that comes every so often. I think it's it's okay. So you have to play on. Uh, he plays peaceful mode or something, and he just likes building shit. Okay, but there's another mode to play on. I forget what it's called. 
and the goal is to beat the Ender Dragon. Yes. Like that's how you beat the game. Yes. So I told him that. I said, eh? I was like, look, because I'm always like, well, what's the goal? Can you beat the game? He's like, no, you don't understand. I'm like, well, how many points do you have? He's like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I'm like, well, then what's the goal here? There's no points. You don't beat the game. So I was like, there's got, I'm like, there's got to be a way to beat the game. So I looked it up and I showed him. I was like, look, you got to beat the Ender Dragon. He's like, I don't like to play that way. I like to play because he doesn't like because you like get attacked and stuff. Like right, you have, right, right, uh, right. he likes the sandbox like, mode. He likes the sandbox mode. He likes the build. right. You get like a health bar. He doesn't like want to do that. He just wants to build shit and then come over and show me, and I have to pretend I'm impressed. But I'm never impressed. Man. Like he builds like these houses. They all look the same. He's like, <laughs> he's like, no, Man. look at this one. I used uh, I, 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 he like, I don't know, like secret hatches. And then there's a bed. I'm like, well, what's the point of the bed? He's like, well, it's to rest. I'm like, rest for what? You don't do anything in this game. <laughs> like, what? What do you want to? Like, I get frustrated. You know. And TLB's like, leave him alone. He's having fun. I'm like, I don't understand. I don't understand the game. Like what? What's it's not what's for you, Joe? It's not for you, Joe. It's clearly not for me. It's clearly not for me. You, I, I take it you weren't a big uh, Sim City fan uh, back in the day. You didn't like building a city. I, under, I understood the goal of Sim City. I guess, yeah, that's true. There's a goal there, you know. I played those. This doesn't have any fucking goal. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Mining for. It's getting a generation even, of, of workers ready to go. Into that. It feels like an infiltration to just try to get kids to be like, yeah, I'm going to become a miner. I'm going to I'm going to go work in a mine and build houses. And it's just trying to get people ready for their trades as they uh, they grow old. So well, well, here's what I did. I did some research. And I got him the uh, Lego Worlds game. OK. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Which is very similar to the Minecraft you have to build and be creative and and problem solve and shit like that right but it has a goal you got to collect like the, the gold blocks you gotta then you can advance to the next world like there's something to do and i'm like this is great because it has all the appeal of minecraft but he's actually achieving something right hated it he's not just fucking around on his crafting table or whatever the fuck he's doing in the other game i plays it a little but always right back to the minecraft i i don't understand the other game even looks better. Minecraft looks, looks like, like shit. shit. Yeah, it looks like garbage. Yeah, I'll fully admit like that the shit. one time I played Minecraft, I played it for like five minutes, and I was like, I don't understand. And this game looks like shit, so I stopped playing it. So it really fucking sucks. I I don't <laughs> I don't understand the appeal. I tell him all the time. I think it stinks. Yeah, I know. I don't say sucks to him. I say it stinks. I'm like this game stinks. Why are you playing it? And he just you know he doesn't care. You know, I'll snatch but, uh, that switch from him and play AEW Fight Forever, and it's forty-seven rating if you want. But uh, again, we have a review. We went four out of five with our review. Alex went four out of five. That is All available right. on uh, com as well as our YouTube channel. But that is it for us. I'm also planning on doing some streaming of the game uh, very soon uh, as well. So keep an eye on our YouTube channel. Keep an eye on our Patreon, uh, and hopefully uh, you'll be able to uh, see it in action a little bit. I'll hopefully play it sometime in the next uh, week or so. This weekend should be pretty open. So. Get on there, stream a little bit, talk about the game, play a little, little few people. So uh, that is it for us here on the flagship. Uh, again, voicewrestling.com for previews, reviews, and columns, including all the Kobe World coverage. We'll also probably have some coverage of the New Japan Strong uh, Independence Day weekend. Uh, Inspire AD, make sure you follow them. Uh, make sure you follow Biss on Twitter, at Biss Says. Uh, also go to Inspire AD, uh, Inspire After Death. Dot com. Make sure you are subscribed to independentwrestling.tv to uh, watch that Beyond Ecstasy of Gold, uh, July 9th. 
And uh, yeah, voiceofwrestling.com, voiceofwrestling.com slash Discord. Uh, I mentioned our YouTube channel, voiceofwrestling.com on, on YouTube. Go find us there uh, and subscribe to us on uh, your podcast app of choice, Voices of Wrestling uh, Podcast Network, uh, as well as individual show feeds as well. The flagship, uh, any other show on our network, you can listen to the individual f- show feed or the network. We recommend subscribing to all of them. Subscribe to every one of the shows as well as the network and make sure you download every single show and then rate every single show five stars. That's what you should do. We would appreciate that uh, very much. And of course, we didn't plug it here. Flagship Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Uh, Voices of Wrestling.com slash Patreon. A Forbidden Door uh, Insurrection Live. Our uh, complete coverage of Forbidden Door. If you wondered, hey, they didn't talk about Forbidden Door on the show. We did it for two hours on Sunday. Forbidden Door there. Uh, match of the week this week. We got a new Fired Up with the nurse that just dropped you got a thursday dynamite review i got a mountain dew review coming up a ton of stuff available over there at flagshippatreon.com and patreon.com slash voices of wrestling so that is it for us that is joe i am rich we'll talk to you next time on the flagship podcast take care my name is tyler fornis and i am one of the co-hosts of the good the bad and the hungry aew podcast here on the voice of wrestling podcasting network we take a broad scope approach to the world of all elite wrestling and the entire universe of Tony Khan. We talk about the big matches, the big stars, the promos, the storylines. And we also look at it from a big picture perspective. How are things going to change over the course of the next 10 years with AEW still in the picture? How are companies like WWE going to adapt and adjust to AEW and are they going to be a similar way like they did with WCW in the late 1990s will there be a counter punch we talk about all of that and more on the good the bad and the hungry every week on the voice of wrestling network